It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome to the Blood and Mud podcast, a podcast that is going to introduce um, Mr. Josh Gardner, who will be giving a statement after which he will or will not be taking questions. Mr. Gardner. Thank you, Dee. Uh, on Monday, 23rd of November, 2023, the popular U space tuber, Robbie Squidge Rugby Owen, appeared on the Blood and Mud Rugby podcast. During the recording of said podcast and live stream, Mr. Owen alluded to a tweet that I, Joshua Gardner, sent in 2017, in which I appear to endorse Wayne Pivak for Wales coach. I am not perfect. I do not deny that I sent the tweet in question, but I would ask our listeners to understand that Mr. Owen removed crucial context from that tweet that I feel substantively changes the seemingly inconsistent message my endorsement of Mr. Pivak would imply. The tweeting question was sent on the 27th of May 2017 at the precise moment that the Scarlets scored their fourth try in the first half of the Pro 14 Grand Final on their way to winning the title in dominant fashion. I am human, and like any other human being, I am capable of being swept up in the moment. And in that moment, I was prepared to endorse Mr. Pivak's qualities as seemingly the best coach available to Wales in the post-Warren Gatland era. My opinion of Mr. Pivak changed during this final season in Llanelli, and as results became increasingly inconsistent, I began to question his tactical and man management abilities. Despite this, I was still prepared to give him a chance. Unfortunately, he was not able to bring his attacking style of play to the Wales national team, and by November 2020, it was apparent that he was not the right coach to take Wales forward. My position on this was consistent over the following two years. In hindsight, I realised that my words carry weight. I should have been more cautious in my initial endorsement. I regret any confusion or inconsistency my endorsement may have caused, and I hope that my subsequent criticism of his performance has provided a clearer picture of my real views. However, I also feel that by removing the context of that original endorsement, Mr. Owen has created a misleading impression that is damaging both to my public good name and to my ability to operate as a two-bit rugby podcaster. As a result, I've been left with no choice but to formally seek to clear my name by challenging Mr. Owen to a boxing match. I understand that. 
I understand that as a battle-hardened celebrity fighter of many charity bouts, I'll be at a huge <laughs> disadvantage in this endeavour, but I can see no other way to remove this stain from my reputation once and for all. I look forward to conducting negotiations with the Thruins fight team regarding a venue, weight class, and choice of weapons for the match, and I will release more information on this at a later date. I'll be taking no further questions. Thank you. I think we can all hope that puts this matter to an end now, beyond the impending pugilistic conclusion between you and so-called Robbie Squid Joey, if indeed that is his real name. Yes, these, these U-Space tubers, um, you know, they're, they're getting ideas above their station. Um, so hello, say? everybody, and welcome oh, to I... the Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that, you know, well, one, hope that's cleared up. Also, yep. the podcast that loves how really into questioning science everyone in rugby is now. <laughs> and look forward to it being re- this this rigorously applied in all areas of so-called risk that present themselves in this sport. Where where exactly was this um, sort of rigorous questioning of, you know, World Rugby's, you know, go-to scientists about six months ago? And their methods. Where <sighs> where were the twen- where were the fifteen tweet thread length things extrapolating <laughs> data? Uh, yeah, in, you know, about twelve months ago when all this stuff was being chatted about. Yeah, twelve months ago, apparently, just you know, if somebody said it was science, then certain people in rugby union just took that as rote. So. I don't know why that's changed all of a sudden, but you know, apparently it has. Yeah, it's almost like it's not something to do with the science, really, isn't it? But we'll uh, oh, watch this. Really? Yeah, <laughs> sure, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. So, Josh, you're back. I am back. You know, having been libelled in your absence, I was, yeah, you I slandered. Yeah, I decided that if, if I didn't come back this week, then I mean, Jesus, who you knows? I'd, I'd be, you know, blamed for the Kennedy is, assassination. Is, is libel written? Have I, have I fallen down that? Uh, libel is written, slander is spoken, I believe. So it would te- if it's recorded, it is still technically libel. So it doesn't really matter. Oh, okay, you know more about media law than me. So I, I mean, I, I hope so. It's my job. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. So, um, so you're back. Did you did did was it a lovely birthday? For, I had a lovely birthday with uh, with Noah. Yeah, he had a good time. He went to an aquarium. He uh, he likes fish. I level with you. Bristol Aquarium is pretty shit, as I think probably all aquariums now are because. It's like you know, understandably not cool to have like the cool animals there. So it's mainly like sort of, you know, trout. It's like a, it's like a big <laughs> tropical fish tank at best. Yeah, basically, and not even that big in some cases. In some cases, it's just the size of a normal tropical fish tank. There used to be a Blue Planet there. Aquarium in Ellesmere Port. I think it's still there randomly in Ellesmere Port next to like you know the Cheshire Oaks MacArthur Glen outlet thing. So. <laughs> I wouldn't bet against uh, like the Sea Life Centre still because like Bristol Aquarium is it being in Bristol everything in Bristol's got to be fucking right on, isn't it? So the Sea Life Centre in Rill was there. I think that I don't know that's still there, but uh, always intriguing the Sea Life Centre when it was right next to the sea. It's like, well, surely isn't there like life there? And they and they often they very often are in the UK because there's one in like um, there's one in like Brighton. There's one in. Like places like Great Yarmouth, Blackpool, like they're 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 quite often. There's one in Weymouth, like they're quite often on the coast, and it's like the sea's there, lads. Speaking yeah. of Brighton, are you watching The Apprentice? Yes, they went to Brighton last week and they tried to oh, buy me. stuff. Absolutely, I'm sure they're getting more stupid. I mean, it's all just deliberate now, isn't it? But uh, yeah, 
it it is still like just like where are they finding these fucking morons? I keep I watching it because I can't stop myself watching it somehow. And Nat- Natalie last yeah. week at one point went, "Why do you like this?" <laughs> I don't. I genuinely hate The Apprentice, and I hate pr- literally everyone involved with it. I despise Sugar. He's an absolute prick. Yeah, and he all keeps in those really horrible clanging jokes. Oh, you know? the jokes, man! The jokes are. We're all gonna laugh. <laughs> Lord Sugar, yeah. God. <laughs> Jack says aquariums are next to the sea, so you don't have to put dolphins in a train. It's a good point. It's a real good point. It's a very good point. I never thought of it that way. That's why we have listeners with a different point of view. So thank Indeed. you very much. Um, yes. So yeah, I had a good birthday with Noah, and then this weekend I uh, I went to watch some League Two football in London. Were you at AFC fun. Wimbledon? I was at AFC Wimbledon versus Stockport County, and genuinely. The entire the, the best part of the entire match by far was that uh, I put this on I did put this on Twitter but like it, it bears repeating there was obviously ball boys are empl- the, the ball boys in the home match are employed by the club but they're supposed mm. to you know have a a, a, a susan of a susan of neutrality and professionalism about them um, Stockport got a penalty uh, sort of midway through the first half. And we were right. We were like right in the corner, right next to the Stockport end, which was like the opposite end of the ground to where the penalty was being taken. And um, Wimbledon's keeper saved it at nil nil. And this bought the ball boy who sat right in front of us just went. He fully lost. Well, he didn't lose the run. He was in complete control. He knew exactly what he was doing, and he was giving it. He was giving it the double wankers. He was giving it <laughs> the Vs. He was pointing to people. In, and I should point out now, all 90% of these Stockport travelling fans were men in their 30s and 40s. And dozens of them lost their shit to such a degree that like the stewards had to sort of stop them from rushing a 10-year-old ball boy. An entire wave of Stone Island badges come flying towards him. Yeah, yeah, and and so and then this carried on like, and he was just like, and Stockport, um, Wimbledon took the lead in the second half, and he was just getting like this guy. I've never seen a more crystallised, perfect example of why rugby values as bollocks, because. <laughs> It was the best thing that I've seen in a sport. Just I love it. 60, 69 minutes, right, of this kid just constantly harassing and, like, winding up these travelling away fans by basically flicking the Vs, doing the wanker signs, and being a, a total prick. And then in the 69th minute, things were getting so spicy that like about 40 stewards and about 10 coppers had to come in and then the chief steward basically <laughs> went round to this ball boy and sort of picked him up and, and the ball boy, fair play to him, was like, what? What have I been doing? Literally <laughs> five seconds after he was doing that, uh, a bunch of lads in Stone Island and he was removed um, and then the entire our side of the stadium started singing, we want our ball boy back, but he never came back. Um, and I really hope that boy keeps his job because he's a credit to AFC Wimbledon. He's a credit to the sport of football. He's a credit to the fans of winding people up, of which he I And a credit to his one. generation for a number of reasons. One, <laughs> shit housing, yes. which is wonderful. And two, I thought that the under, well, certainly the under 25s at this day and age had completely given up on the Vs. Me too. I and thought the, it was all the, the bird now. 
Yeah, but yeah. actually, the fact that he was out there representing traditional British hand-based insults yeah. means it feels like there's there's a future for us all. One it really does. It, it warmed the cockles of my heart, and it needed to use a fucking freezing on Saturday. But uh, <laughs> well, was... uh, Yeah, I love that. That reminds me, I, I think I've told the story before, when I went to watch Wigan versus Warrington, and the Wigan fans were singing at the Warrington fans, you haven't been a champion since 1955. They still mm. haven't, by the way, and it's a it's an oft-sung song. And Wolfie, the mascot, went over and pretended to shit a <laughs> mini Wigan Warriors mascot out of his arse in front of all the Wigan fans. That's the official man dressed in a wolf costume mascot. This is what this is what you want to see. This is like this is what the like blazery people who are trying to keep rugby sanitized don't yeah. understand. It's like if you if we got some of that niggle and antagonism in rugby, the the sport would be so much more fun. And everybody would take it so much less fucking seriously. And I'm not saying we need to go full fucking football casual hooligans. No. I'm just saying a bit of like, because that's the thing, there was no actual violence, even <laughs> though it looked like some of these 40-year-old men did want to do violence on a small boy. Um, but mostly it was just they were giving it back and they were shouting at him and they were chucking bottles at him. You know, it was, it was, it was all good-natured stuff. I um, find gobby kids genuinely hilarious. Yeah. Loads of people get upset about it. I, if, when a kid gobs off at me, I genuinely piss myself laughing. Not just because when I watch show, they don't, I don't care, but it is genuinely. The, the number of adults that get themselves, you're like, how, oh, dude, little, oh, dude, can you believe what he just said? That I'm just, I just fuck, I howl with laughter it's, when they, when they the call like, me a cunt or something. I find it hilarious. Oh, you know, show a little bit of respect for you. Like, I do not get that at all. Like, don't respect <laughs> me for all. being an elder. <laughs> like, what, like, what the hell does that mean? But anyway, apparently outside um, the ground, somebody else who was at the game tweeted me to say that he saw the student around the back of the st- uh, the, the ball boy, bit around the back of the um, stands being given a right bollock in by the chief steward. Uh, who was threatening to tell his mum. And I just thought, like, imagine having to pretend as a parent, that you are not incredibly proud of everything that your child did that afternoon. <laughs> oh, he's giving double wankers and double Vs. Oh, oh. That reminds me of when oh, Paddy was in high school and, and he set up a uh, Instagram account taking the piss out of teachers. And on parents' evening, we got pulled in while they told us that he'd done this. And to be fair to me, he immediately went, yeah, yeah I'm sorry, and um, and he had to sit there while I performatively in front of the teachers got him told for you know putting ridiculous things on the internet. And fair play to him, he sat there and didn't once just go, "Who the fucking hell are you to tell me about <laughs> saying stupid stuff on the internet?" So <laughs> he took his bollock in like a good one. So yeah, fair play to him. Oh, fair um, indeed. Anyway, so you're back. Excellent weekend. It sounds like my weekend was mm. mostly building. Was starting pimp my packs twenty twenty three. Yes, I've trailed seen, heavily on here. I've seen the progress photos. It's coming together. I like your little slide out uh, shoe organizers. Yes, and um, I, where did the time go, Josh? We doing these things though. I started I Saturday morning. I had to build a platform so I could level the platform to put the wardrobes on. Mm. Finished the platform, got it all nice and level. You know, did all that kind of stuff. Got me spaces in to level it up, all that kind of thing. I'd started at 10 o'clock. It was about half one by then. So I've only cut about four pieces of wood and screwed them together. Now three hours have gone past. Something about wardrobes, I think, is just like a sort of like a vortex of time 
because like I've never put together a wardrobe and it's taken me as much time as I expected it to, and it usually takes about twice as long. I've got a bit more sympathy for tradespeople and stuff. Then when you come in for like a tradesperson, you're like, "What the fuck you been doing all day?" Mm. But that's just because you know things just take longer than you think. Yeah, so it, it is just like you know sometimes these the prep work is the work. Well, see, we've all been there, haven't we? My uncle is the worst DIY man in the world. He uh, once had to tile around, you know, like around the bath and the taps and that. Yes. He had to retile that. And he just basically started smashing the tiles off without even removing, like, soap and shampoos or anything <laughs> from, like, around the taps. So there was just all this, like, dust and mess, like, intermingled with, like, the Radox and the, you know, <laughs> and the imperial leather and shit that was all over the thing. At which point, I think after after hitting three tiles off, we just got bored. We said, "Oh, I'm fucking doing this." <laughs> and then, then it sat like that for another two months. Which I've got a lot of time for that level of like terrible. I mean, yeah, yeah, I've got to respect that as a as a base level. You have. So anyway, hello, I'm Lee, hello. as we all know by now. And returning this week is over there. I'm Josh. You probably know that already. Indeed, you can get in touch with us. I'm at Blood and Mud on the Twitter or Lee at bloodandmud.com on the EM either. And what about you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner, uh, at Rocked underscore Mag. Uh, and that's about it. We are on the sports social network, Apple, etc., wherever you get your podcasts from, but you probably know that already. But the most important place we are, of course, is patreon.com. Like a fool, I went and stayed too long. Now I'm wondering if your love's still strong. Ooh, baby, here I am. Slashed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. I wondered which one you were going to turn into Slashed. Then, so it was going to add a certain free song of excitement, even though my face probably didn't show that. <laughs> Blood and mud, where you can come yeah. along and get all of these things on Patreon.com. Blood and mud where you can come along, get yourself extra episodes, extra information, extra bits, private mm. Facebook group. If you want to keep close eye on me, on the Pimp My Packs progress, that's where there. you need to Oof. be. Um, which, of course, why wouldn't you want to be in there? Why, indeed. A couple of episodes coming up. I've confirmed with Prof Tony. I've been on the, I've been on the blower to Prof Tony. After, I think it was Jack Hurst the other week asked about, can we do something to do with rugby history and dictators? And Prof Tony <laughs> has confirmed... <laughs> that we can do an episode on rugby and Nikolai Ceausescu. What's not wow. to like about that? So that'll be a patron-only wonderfulness. And um, that's what's going to be happening there. <clears throat> and uh, yes. I've also got, I think, another Rugby Life interview coming up soon with somebody I'm very interested to talk to. And he's just confirmed some details. Uh, yeah, so all that can be yours if you simply go to patreon.com slash blood and mud and mm-hmm. pony up a couple of quid for a month. Mm-hmm. Just to give it a try if you want. Or you can yeah. just pay 20 quid for the whole year, get it out of the way, and everyone's happy. Mm. Most of all, us. Thank you very much for well, everybody indeed. who supports us. Shall we begin as we always begin, Josh? With a player yes. spotted. I think we probably should. Speaking should. of patrons, Rob Sinden mm. gets in touch via the Patreon messaging service, which is another thing you get access to when you're a patron. Indeed. He says... A day after announcing he was leaving the Chiefs for his big money move to Poe next summer, I spotted Joe Simmons and Harry Williams in the corner of a small independent coffee shop on Exeter Quay. 
Man has got to be like such fertile rugby player. You'd think Spot so, wouldn't you? Territory. This is like Nando's MacArthur Glenbridge end territory, isn't it? You imagine. Yeah. Harry was unsurprisingly wearing shorts, says Rob. White socks and slides, sliders, despite it being two degrees centigrade outside. Mm. Whilst Joe was more reasonably in a tracksuit and trainers. After discussing the after discussing the disgusting taste of maca, maca lattes with the owner of the shop, which they don't serve, mm. both ordered mint tea and started planning where to go for lunch, despite the fact the cafe is renowned for serving a wide array of cakes and amazing toasted sandwiches. <laughs> I mean, fair play. There you go. So, thank you, Rob. Joe Simmons and Harry Williams not liking maca lattes and having mint tea. I mean, I'm just the mint tea thing is desperate. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Isn't Imagine it? going to a coffee shop and ordering mint tea. What's wrong with these people? <laughs> it's like you've left the house for this. You had the option, and yeah, it's just sad, isn't it? It's sad. Sad the depths that professional athletes will stoop to just to sort of maintain the. At least mint tea tastes something, to be fair. You suppose know, it's true. Very minty. Unlike them, like, herbal fruit tea things. Oh, they're fucking horrible. Well, that's basically like... Because they smell quite strongly. It's like drinking hot water stood next to a Glade plug-in, basically. <laughs> Isn't it? I, I don't they, understand of it. Of all the things, of all the things they taste like, fruit, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, well, they just, yeah. <laughs> well, it's my palate is terrible. Well, but it is literally like, yeah, no, this is just slightly lukewarm water. It smells mm. a bit. With a slight odour like those sweets that your nan used to get in a little tin. But not in a good way. <laughs> no, not in a good way at all. No. It's the fact they lie to you. So I don't like about it. Because they smell yeah. like this is going to really Sonic. taste fruity. This is going to be like fucking Ribena, double yeah. strength this. And then yeah. you drink it, it's like, no, that's fucking I don't mind. I don't mind a hot Ribena or a hot squash. Mm. You know, it's hot all right. So. You ever had that? Go hot for a cold now. Yeah. Indeed. But no, it's dishonest. It's fundamentally dishonest as a drink. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So thank you very much, Rob, for that play spotted. Anybody else who wants to send a play spotted in, you know what to do. My DMs are open at Blood and Mud on the Twitter or Lee at bloodandmud.com. Or, of course, you could use the Patreon messaging service if that's the one that you want to do instead. Come along and join us, patreon.com slash bloodandmud. Whack a couple of quid on the desk and we'll give you whatever you want. Indeed. Caveat, we won't give you whatever you want. However, Within reason, no. Within reason. yeah. Within reason. 
So the plan this week, Josh, is to do some news and look at a bit of a Six Nations preview and then maybe do six shit good at the end and not talk much about the weekend because we've got a lot to get through because it's the big tournament, the big... Yeah. The oldest tournament in rugby starts this weekend. Yeah, also there's yet more fucking news to talk about. There is yet more news to talk about, isn't there? So let's uh, let's move on to that by starting the news right now. Do you want to kick us off, Josh, with the news? Uh, yes. Um, so I'll level with you. When I was listening back last week, I did sort of think, you know, I kind of dodged a bullet a bit this week by, you know, <laughs> going away. And, you know, there's an awful lot of shit to talk about. And all of it is still going this week. <laughs> so, um, yes, the WIU is still on fire, just maybe a little bit less on fire. Um, Steve Phillips has finally done the fucking decent thing that he should have done a week ago and stepped down. Um, the rest of them are still there. <laughs> the rest of them think, ah, we've thrown that sacrificial guy on the fire. We can just keep our heads down and probably get through this like we've got through anything else. Um, Nigel Walker's the interim CEO, uh, which he's probably the only person currently employed by the WIU that I would trust to sort of like, if you were like, excuse me, mate, can you have a look at my bike? Well, I just pop in and get a paper. He's the only one I trust not to nick it. Um, well, he, he seems to be the only one. He keeps being drafted in to show people how things are really done. So, for example, yes. he got drafted in with the women's game and went, and he said, "No, no this is this is how you do it. Like, you, you give some contracts out, and you treat <laughs> yeah. them, you know, like the elite athletes that they kind of are. All right. And mm. now that he's brought in this with it, and he's like, he's like, well, okay, listen, I've been brought in because let me just show you, this is how an apology is genuinely done." Yeah, yeah, and I'm actually going to. I'm going to do. I'm going to go on Scrum Five, and I'm going to actually face the music instead of Steve Phillips allowing fucking Steph Thomas to ask, ask him ten questions with no follow up questions, as a, not on camera like he did last week, and thought that would be enough. And he's also like Nigel's also the only person who I think has the integrity to to actually do this independent investigation thing. And set it up so that it isn't a total whitewash. Also, so that is good. But even then, he's talking about, oh, we want to get this done quick. We want to get this done in weeks, not in months or whatever. And it's like, okay. But at the same time, like, how long did it take them to do the Yorkshire cricket one? You know, how yeah. how long? And and like, it needs to be that level of granular and. In, in my opinion, because the allegations are horrendous and nobody who said Imagine any the number of, of people at WIU were praying for a good Six Nations right now, so people will yeah. maybe forget about this. Yeah, but, uh... or maybe fuck off, yeah. And it's, I, I don't think, it's, it's just not going to happen. Like, uh, like all, and I guess that's why they want it done with quickly, but like, yeah, like, I really hope that the, what like, the Welsh government sponsors the media, everybody else put pressure on the union to properly go, you know what, this needs to be a proper root and branch thing. Because like we said, like, you know, for all that Nigel's done to improve women's rugby in Wales, and he obviously has, like, they've still got to share a gym with the under twenties. They still get like demonstrably worse food, worse travel, yeah. worse yeah, facility, yeah. everything other thing. They're treated much worse than the men in all sort of these tiny little ways that add up to being really insulting. Like, like they had that Celtic Challenge thing starting this weekend, right? Which is like the women's development comp between Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. The Irish combined promises 15, right? Ran onto yeah. the field with a 
a, a pretty cool actually quarter jersey, one quarter for each of the four provinces, mm. like bespoke designed jersey, you know, with a bespoke designed crest on there, Vodafone sponsor across the front. Um, the Welsh Development 15 took to the field in plain red shorts and plain red shirts with Macron logos on them and nothing else. Not even a WI. Like, that's the level of care that women's rugby in Wales is still treated in some areas. Of that. It's like the kit man couldn't even be bothered to stick three feathers with, like, Development 15 on it. And it's literally just a plain red T-shirt with a Macron logo on it. It, it's a little thing, but it's it's it says a lot when you look at like Ireland, who obviously have not been treating, you know, have got their own problems with how mm. they're treated women's game, but like they understand that they've got to make the effort, and clearly in some quarters the message is still not got through at the WIU, and yeah, I like Nigel. I would I would probably put him in charge of the whole thing because he's shown that he is capable of running a large sporting organisation. Um. But like, he's got this. This thing has to be done properly, and this thing has to be done well. And the people who fucking were responsible for creating that culture need to be called out, and they need to fucking resign. Yes, and they were very quick to do an independent review thing because that's a way to make you can't because then you just don't have to answer any questions. Then do you? It's the super yeah. A that approached. Oh, I can't possibly comment on. Yeah, on that oh, there's until, an investigation going on. There's an open investigation. Oh. I can't compromise it. Yeah. But, um, do you think, do you think oh. that the board and the, the the members who've already tried, you know, voted down attempts to modernise governments in the last six months, do you think they're going to allow something as trivial as being a bunch of sexists and homophobes get in the way of the Dravy train? Because it hasn't for the last 30 years with most of them, so why start now? Like, to go back to the point with Nigel, though, I mean, obviously they're going to need a new CEO, aren't they? Yeah. But I think there's been some reports that the shortlist... It's such a problem because nobody wants to do it because you've got the fundamental issue that anyone talented enough and able to do the job won't do it because of the, you know, alien face hugger egghead yeah. army running the whole show ultimately. Well, yeah, and it's no surprise that when, you know, Rob Butcher and his, his cronies sort of had their little coup and got rid of Martin Phillips and the previous regime hmm. in 2019... Like it, the only person that they could find to take over the CEO job was the guy who was already there as the CFO. The CFO was there, yeah. And like, it might well be a case again that the you know certainly at this stage the only person that actually wants that job is Nigel, and that's because he knows that he's. But like it, it, it will something. It will take something like a, you know the government getting involved to pressure the the clubs into voting through government changes because otherwise they just won't and they've shown time I, I look, and time I look again forward to a, 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 a senate hearing on baseball type scenario big time just a Bowie Kuhn sat there having John McCain having a go at him for them all being cheating bastards basically <laughs> yeah just a, you know sport is devolved I guess but whatever the most government's equivalent of the Department of Culture Media and Sport <laughs> you know get a select committee going and 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 have at them have some fun with it remember how much fun we had with the uh, the when they put all the Facebook guys in front of the Home Affairs uh, the yeah Culture and Media said. Select Committee Oof. Yeah, because this is a, this is this is where the WU might fall on their own kind of uh, hoisted by their own petard, really. Because if you spend all these years talking about how your sport is basically the national fabric of your nation, mm. 
when you, you start to problem. completely show your ass in an incredibly awful manner, yeah. then funnily enough, the fact the people who run the actual nation are not very happy about yeah. it. And it, you know, this, it, this has only happened because you know there are clear, you know, political implications for you know. Drakeford's getting involved. Various MPs have got involved. It's like there there will be consequences if they do not do this. You know, if it were up to me, I would just say dissolve the WIU and start a new governing body that is, that, and then transfer all their fucking assets to them. But like, I'm sure it's not that easy, but it should be. The Rugby Football Association of Wales, <laughs> indeed. Rugby, rugby. Uh, well, just rugby union, you know. Whatever rugby union, rugby, rugby Cymru, done. You... <laughs> yes. So, is there anything else to say about this? At this no, thing? you guys covered it in in, in length last week. It's yeah, just, the, the, it's the ming that, I... that led to this is has been covered, and now this is the outfall. I did notice that. The fucking around has happened, and this is the start of the finding. This out. is the finding out. Yes, the, yes. the um, I did notice that the WIU put their official statement out about this at six a.m. on Sunday morning, <laughs> which had. I mean, it had been leaked to the media already, obviously. Yes. but they actually put their official statement out at six a.m. on Sunday morning. Actually, I know that because I'm on their mailing list. So. They, le- they leaked it to Stephen Jones of all people. Well, I mean, God. Shows how in tune with, you know, the current world of rugby, the WIU are, that they thought that Stephen Jones was an appropriate person to leak a scoop to. Yes. And Gatlin's not covering himself in glory with this, has he? He won't he be answering questions about this anymore, will he? So No. And while I don't, I have very little doubt that pretty much any director of rugby would give him a similar bullshit response. He's, he's normally like, better with the press yeah. than, than with the media answers than that, though, isn't he? Which maybe I think they're, they're all, they're all, they're all, they're all, they're all practiced at doing this stuff when it's stuff they're used to talking about. When you actually ask them to talk about stuff that's important and matters, that's when they start shitting themselves. Like Steve Hansen, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. That's what he didn't say. It's not a gendered issue, like uh, Steve yeah. Hansen said, that uh, domestic violence wasn't. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't change the fact that it's just, that was just incredibly disappointing. And yeah. Gats has. I mean, he was caught on the hop, wasn't he? However, he was, but at the same time, he, he hasn't come out and apologized for it since, which I think is bullshit. It's like, I probably shouldn't have, you know. I do wasn't expected to say that, so I just said something wrong. Sorry, obviously this is very serious, and instead he's just not said anything, which is kind of the WIU's line for this whole thing, is just to say nothing. I hope it all blows over, but it was still very fucking disappointed. The um it reveals it's it's a strange thing to think about what the situation is with um Gatland though, because he was in a kind of untouchable position before, wasn't he? Mm. In that he had unprecedented like I can just do that. Whereas now they've begged him to come back, clearly, haven't they? Yeah. So it's probably even worse now, isn't it? Really? I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know what the consequences of that will be, but there's nobody's going to like pull him up about this last week, are they? Because they're all just. Well, no, know, this is the thing. It's like he's even more indebted to him now than, they, than at any point in his Yeah, exactly. Career. Things are, are even more of a shambles. Although, you, you know, the people who were appointed him, you know, certainly the person who appointed him is now fucking out on his ear. And. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a fucking shit situation, isn't it? I mean, it's 
And to be, as much as we've like talked about the sort, of, we always talk about the WIU being stuck in the past and it being problematic for the Welsh game for like the financial business reasons. And we talk about that a lot because it's mm. the thing that impacts us a lot. Like this is the stuff we haven't talked about about you know a WIU board that is like almost exclusively elderly white men. And, you know, that fucking photo of the AGM last year where it was like fucking where's Wally, but it was like where's a woman or a person of colour. <laughs> like there's those those things had other consequences, you know, those, there are other consequences to that beyond like, you know, the fact that they just ran fucking the Welsh rugby into the ground financially. It's like you put a, that number of like fusty old men in a room and you're probably going to get a culture that's fucking sexist and racist oh. and homophobic and fucking horrible to work under and all of this sort of stuff. And like, it's all, it's all the root of the same fucking problem. It but sounded like... absolutely banterific in there. Yeah. And by that, I mean in the worst possible way. Yeah. The, all of the worst sort of horrible, the worst possible like, way. Most of the most Richard Keezy and, Expression, <laughs> yeah. expression of banter. It, oh, yeah, depressing. I'm laughing out of incredulity, not because. Got, yeah, it's the, all you can do is is laugh from incredulity because it is just absurd. Right, let's leave that then. What yes. other news do we have to chat uh, about this yes, grand Scot day? Scottish rugby is also on fire, but for similarly yet different reasons. Uh, I don't think we need to go over everything about how banning trans women from rugby is absolutely fucking nonsense. Um, because... The fact they did it on the quiet that evening announcing it just shows what a shit bunch they you are. You know, it's, there's no doubt rugby is playing into the hands of some of the world's worst people by allowing itself to become a battleground for fucking turfs and their far-right mates to wage war on trans people um, who are just trying to live their lives. But, like, I feel like, by and large, we're speaking to the choir in that regard, and if we're not, like... Please know you're not defending women. You're attacking minorities out of fear and bad info, and you're doing so much more harm than good. So go and fucking educate yourselves. Um, but yeah, so they've they quietly banned transgender women from playing uh, women's rugby. Um, you mainly all know this stuff. All I'm going to say, if any of our listeners who are trans or have trans people that you love in your life, uh, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry rugby is doing this to you. I'm sorry that we're allowing it to be used to hurt you and the people you love. Don't give up on rugby. We're with you. We'll support you and fight you with you and not give these total cunts any peace until this stupid ban is reversed. Not just in Scotland, it must be said, but everywhere. Yes, we'll do what we can. Um, the RFU... In, in Let's just go around all the unions. Worryingly competent by comparison. <laughs> so we covered last week the RFU. I did a very, very long monologue on just how badly the RFU had done everything around this uh, tackle thing. Mm. Um, and now rowing they, back as quickly spent, as possible. They spent the whole week desperately trying to clean up the mess that their own terrible comms created. Which, yeah. I, like I said, I remain convinced that the reason that people have lost their minds over this, they fundamentally don't understand what your waste is. And they think it's where your shorts are. 
because even the Telegraph had like a photo of where the new tackle line was being. It was somebody being tackled around their hips. And it's like, your waist is not your fucking hips. Your waist is above your belly button and below your solar plexus. That's where your waist is. On a very basic level, the R- it's like the RFU last week, without mm. telling anybody, invented um, the shit sprayer 2000. <laughs> and basically went around spraying everybody with shit and so said, much. look how brilliant this shit sprayer is. And then basically somebody said, I'm now covered in shit and I wish you'd mentioned this is what you're about to do. And then and then they've gone, oh, we're very, very sorry we've used the shit sprayer 2000 without actually asking you if you wanted it. And now they're sort of having to basically dismantle all the parts and 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 and, and, and just ask people their opinion on on things about being covered in shit. But it's kind of um. Can you imagine we, though? Can you imagine if they'd have actually made this announcement, what with a vi- with a video that demonstrated how you're supposed to tackle now? I don't um, think it would have helped. I don't think it would have helped, but I think it would have made some people at least go, "Look, it's not that bad." I actually. think if they'd made a video and done a big tour. Yeah. Of regions and clubs and said, look, this is what we mean. This is why. What do you reckon? They could have all had a nice, not nice, probably conversation, or at least given people the time to react in the way they reacted in a committee room somewhere. Mm. And they could have written instead it down of, and gone, people are not happy. They would rather that we did this or they're concerned yeah. about that. Yes. But I covered all this last week. I don't need to do it yeah. again. But they but are based. I think, I think yeah. they obviously still want to do it, but they, they've well, kind think, of rolled it back. Like, and, I think it, they're rolling. They're rolling back. They've rolled back the talk. They're saying like, "Well, we'll we'll have some consultation." But like, I think you were onto something last week when you said like, "Is there an insurance aspect to this?" Because like, they can't really climb down on it now. Because if they do, it'll look like oh, the RFU's going soft on head contact shit. And if they can't, even if they can get insurance now, <laughs> will they be able to? In another season, where they go, well, you you told us the safety thing was to to drop the tackle height, and then you walk back on it. So, like, do you know, like America always say, we're not afraid of anything. Yes, when it's quite obvious that they're terrified of absolutely shitloads of things. Yeah, yeah. people from different countries, imagined terrorists, new ideas, books. You know they, you know they, they shit. They, they make new laws because they shit themselves about everything. Yeah, it's amazing how many people who talk about how they love the game more than anything else in the entire world, and then all right, not a great announcement, okay? And no. they say we might think of changing the tackle height from this season, which is not great, right? And about seventy thousand of them go, well, that's fucking me done. I now yeah. fucking despise this game. Yeah, the only the only thing that was keeping me in this game was the opportunity to potentially fucking put my elbow into someone's jaw. I don't think it's as simple as that. I can understand how people have concerns, <laughs> but it's literally like, well, that's me fucking done. Yeah, if I'm going to bend over a bit more, fuck you. I'm a, I I fuck. <laughs> so the, many... the, the love the love of the sport basically didn't survive. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> suggesting that the man is six inches. Yeah. and yet honestly, and yet we're the ones who get loads of shit for hating rugby. <laughs> I know. It's like we're we're happy for rugby to change and evolve, and even if it is a bit weird and different, <laughs> it's not, I mean, it's it really happens. Funny. You know? yeah. Stop saying you love rugby so much when you're literally willing to fuck off and leave it just because yeah. somebody's the drop of a hat. Okay. The second they do everything, anything <laughs> the is dro- off. The drop rugby. of a shoulder, six inches. You're fucking. <laughs> you're done. That's it. 
thing thing is though, like with World Rugby sort of announcing that they're planning to bring in similar but less extreme measures in the pro game potentially as early as next year, and if certainly after the twenty twenty seven Rugby World Cup, the rest of the rugby world also seemingly managing to not like you know France, South Africa, New Zealand, all successfully trialing this waste tackling thing without having a complete fucking screaming throw everyone on the bonfire existential meltdown like the RFU's got no choice but to kind of press on with this now and hope that the messaging they're going to put out eventually will offset like the frothing range rage of like disgustingly disenfranchised by the sport I love thanks to the wokerati of Manchester or whatever. I don't, I don't honestly, I don't think it's that. I can understand why people are upset, right? I genuinely Me too. I Me I too. I understand why they want a conversation about it and they're not happy. I understand that. But it's literally people just going, I'm fucking I'm done. done <laughs> I wouldn't even. That's, that's, how, thing that that's find... how flimsy the love of the game is. And that's the thing I find funny about it is like, you won't even try. Like, I can understand like playing a couple of games and just going, Nah, it's fucked it. This isn't. This doesn't feel like rugby to me anymore. I don't like it. But not even refusing to even countenance that a six-inch drop in the tackle height might not dramatically change the game in ways that are completely unacceptable to you and everyone else. Like, like surely just looking at France and looking at New Zealand and looking at South Africa and going, well, these lads are not. It's not like they've picked like Fiji and Japan to trial it is it it's like they've picked like france and south africa not famously like shirking on the physical aspect and compromising type of yeah (laughs) it's just so fucking stupid the whole thing however i I, I do come back to my point from last week this has been done horribly and everybody plays the game should have had a fucking say absolutely it should have been it should have been a consultation and like the art like this is one of those rare examples where everyone is a cunt. <laughs> like everyone on all sides. Is a not us, though, obviously. No, not, not so me, not. Yeah. I, I take no. I, I don't play rugby. I've got no view on this. Um, <laughs> That's never, why you can, you can still stick around. If club. you were still playing um, rugby right now, you would be so yeah. disgusted. This yeah, podcast would be, be cancelled with immediate effects. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like everyone on all sides, like the people who are leading the charge to sort of stop this just seem like the worst people and then the people who have obviously kind of tried to sort of sneak this out without anybody noticing and with with terrible comms and seemingly with not really very good consultation with the w you know well there's a quite a few members of rfu council meet missing and these rfu council reps are clearly a shit show as well aren't they they're not not, they've got no engagement with the clubs it would seem in any meaningful way whatsoever so the whole system which is built upon that is failing yeah. You know, so there needs to be a bit of a review of that as well. So there's all of that to consider. But it's um yeah, as you said, nobody comes out of this. Um no, and, and I think I think a lot of play I've got a lot of sympathy for players because what they're literally saying is, fuck me, this is terrible. I don't know, I don't even know what this means. What do I have to do now? And yeah, and that I've is perfectly with that. You know what I mean? But I've, because they um, haven't released any supporting documentation for what you are supposed to do now. And re- and really they should have, because surely there is no time like the present to like you know for teams to start trying this in training and stuff like that if it's going to be fucking law from next august and probably you'll find that what it is the law will probably become 
the law will reflect 80% of how tackles are done anyway. Yeah. It's not like, yeah, it's not like they're like ridiculously. Yeah. But again, which is not to say it shouldn't be worked through and people should be, you know, given the chance to understand it, query it, question it, make suggestions to say, well, why don't we do it like this or whatever? And, you know, maybe we'll need a bit more leading time. Can we have some coaching sessions with it first as part of the consultation so I understand what it is you're asking us to do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, looks like they are if you're rowing back on it, but still keen to push it through as well. Yeah, well, I think they've just not got any choice now. It's like if the if World Rugby is going to follow suit and probably make it global, then they're absolutely they've they've got a you know they've got no choice but to stay the course with it. It's just that I can't remember, and it says a lot that I can't remember something a sort of a, a change in rugby's stuff being rolled out this badly ever. So I like suddenly joked last week, you know, if only there were change specialists in West London they could possibly have <laughs> to, you know, it's a it's a joke, really, isn't it? Um okay. And are the yeah. are the are the, are the IRFU done anything stupid this week? Do we need to go do we need to talk about them as well? I don't, uh, I don't believe of. so, no. Um this time, yeah, I think this time yet. Yeah. It's only Monday. Yeah, I think the, the FRU, the NZRU, the ARU and the SARU are probably all right. No word on the USA rugby union. I'm sure they've done something as stupid as they usually have. Speaking of the NZ rugby union, uh, yes. Campbell Johnston, all black, ex all black. Indeed. Has come out um as gay. Um yeah. 43 years old now, retired. Obviously, the usual shtick about I was too scared to say when I was putting that's I'm paraphrasing, yeah. I'm, but you know, but, basically said I felt but, uncomfortable that I didn't want to, yeah. But good that he, uh, even in those days, uh, I say those days, it's not like he was playing, you know, he's, playing. <laughs> he's 43, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's 43. It was, he's, it was he's playing for the Ospre- 12 years ago, yeah, yeah, he's playing for the Ospreys 10 years ago, <laughs> like <it's, laughs> very briefly, but like, yeah, um. You know, that he felt comfortable enough to, you know, tell some teammates, even if he didn't want to be uh, publicly out about it. But, you know, rugby just needs more understatedly public queer people to just be like, yeah, I am what I am. You know, no big deal, is it? Uh, It is. But it is. The NZRFU have come out very quickly to offer support in, quote, unquote, sharing his authentic story, which is good. Good of them, mm. I think. I'll tell you what, mind. Also, I he... wish you'd come out and support other people sharing their authentic story yeah, and support them as well. Too. I, I, you know, for example, if it's domestic violence. But yeah, funny that, isn't it? I don't want to go down that road either. You know. Um, I tell you what, though, he's he's lost a lot of timber since he was uh, playing. Like even his head is thinner somehow. <laughs> Well, that, that, that's quite a achievement. That but... <laughs> it might be that his airlines just receded. But Dude, like... I reckon there's going to be so many of them like that, isn't he's there? Un- he's unrecognisable. So, they're so pumped with yeah. eight hundred chicken breasts and Jim mm. that as soon as he like just go back to a normal life, he'd probably slim down everywhere, get a bit of a pot, and settle into into life, don't they? Yeah, and it's like it, it's I, it's one of those things where it's just like. Because Kieran Reed's going a bit like that as well. Like he's lost a lot of fucking weight since he, uh, since he quit playing, and like he's almost unrecognisable. <laughs> and and it's not like Kieran Reed was fucking massive, you know. He's it's big like, enough, I think. But he, you know, he was obviously as most professional rugby players are, you know, holding and carrying a lot of timber, and 
yeah, it's it's really quite something to see how like the difference in shape of his face now and his entire body. Like he looks great. He's had a glow up, but like <laughs> I've got a lot of time for people just like I'm never going to fucking gym again. Fuck off. Sort of thing. Exactly. People like Sam Warburton who are never, still never out of there, fucking loving it, aren't they? Shane yeah. Williams is a bit like that as well, isn't he? So yeah, he's all, doing all his bloody triathlons and everything. All that stuff. Whereas those people think, thank fuck, I'm not a fresh athlete anymore. <laughs> this is me now. Pass me those jogging bottoms. I'm never going to be out of them. if not sooner. Yeah. In uh, other news, mm. uh, well, I think we're kind of onto squads and injury news now, unless there's anything else from, that you want to draw our attention to. Uh, no, no, not really. So what we're going to cover this is we talk about this will segue us into um, the Six Nations preview, I guess. But um, Henry Slade and Courtney Laws are definitely out for him. We, we, the Laws one was trailed last week, so they're definitely mm-hmm. out of the Scotland game. Uh, however, Jamie George is fit. Yes, still going through the concussion protocols there. So yes, and uh, Anthony Watson's in. Yes, remember him? Yeah. I mean, he's had at least three good games for that's for Leicester, so you know, probably enough in it. Yeah, so he's back. We'll talk about what that might mean as we talk about the preview, I suppose. Have you got any more news at all? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Okay. So that's the end of the news, and we're now going to do our Six Nations preview. Indeed. Yes. Time coding it. Time coding it yourself now, Josh. Very important to time code, as you, as you it's, well know. It's fucking important, let's say so. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Right, so um, we've got to talk about the teams, I guess. And Well, first of all, let me just mention that our friends at Fanzo are helping us run a prediction league mm-hmm. again this year on their Guinness Pipe Predictor on the Fanzo app and where you can go along and join our Guinness Pipe Predictor league. Click on Guinness Pipe Predictor, then leagues, then join a private league. And then you put in the code blood and mud, or one word, and you can join our league. There's already a hundred, more than 100 people in there. Thank you very much, everybody who's come along. Where you're going to predict scores and all that kind of stuff. We'll talk a bit more about it at the end of this preview when we predict the scores for next weekend and let people know what it is we're going for. But ultimately, you predict a score on a winning margin. You might win a pipe for yourself or a pipe for somebody else, if you guess right. So uh, more about that later. Teams-wise, Josh, do you want to start anywhere in particular? No, I mean... Well, I've got England first. Shall we yeah. start with England? Yes. Why not? 
a big part of this for me is just kind of like how good is Borthwick really? How good is Nick Evans really? And how good is how good is that whole coaching ticket really? And how do they cope without? You know, certainly, presumably, their two first choice, three first choice centers now with Dan Kelly out. So they come into the lest, lest we forget, mm. just to give you the context in case you've been, you know, sleeping under something or you just come out of a coma. Then uh, mm. Eddie Jones is gone. Steve Borthwick's in charge. They come on, you know, as a, as purely as a team, they come into this tournament on the back of a fucking hiding by South Africa oh, it's in brutal. November. Yeah. That's the last thing that uh, England fans and players will remember. And lest we forget, lest we forget, the squad's going to be pretty much the fucking same, I think, the match day squad, give or take a couple of maybe slight odd ones on the bench. Yeah, there'll probably be some tweaks here and there, but I think that it's notable that he's left. Um, he's kept Ollie Ashley Collins in the squad. I think he might hmm. feature. But, um, yeah, I don't think there'll be too many different things. Uh, I mean... We have to remember that Dan Colra, the ever living, will uh, yes. may may it because surely if he's not there to start, what's he there for? That's yeah, exactly. Like, why have you picked him if not to start him? So he um, may start a tight head, I guess, might he? With uh, so that that'll be interesting. Following up on your point about well, a couple of things. One, the fixtures are kind for Steve Borthwick. Mm-hmm. Opening with Scotland and Italy at home back to back is 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 not a bad way to kick off any tournament, is it? Let's be honest. No, indeed. And, you know, Scotland fans might get chippy at that, but, like, you know... Oh, I'm not saying England will definitely win. I'm just saying that it's... much rather Scotland at home than Scotland away. Yes. And of all the, yeah, games to pick at the... Yeah. And even if they lose that game, there's an opportunity for an instant bounce-back game at home to Italy. And no matter how bad England are, they absolutely batter Italy. Yeah, exactly. They will always beat Italy. And I don't see that changing. So the key questions to me, following up from your bit, I wrote something similar around uh, the teams going to be broader the same. Um, I'll maybe talk about team in a minute, but um, can Nick Evans get the attack looking like people who actually want to spend time together or have spent time together at any mm. point in their lives? Will be an interesting one. Link to that is who's going to play ten. Yep, I think it's going to be Andy Farrell. I'd be, no, surprised be, Owen Farrell. Farrell. <laughs> be surprised if Farrell. Farrell. Hey, yeah. That would be hey, a real coup of a selection. He could still do a fucking job, Andy Farrell, at 10. I'm telling you, he doesn't have to run. If he's just a pivot, <laughs> then he's, say, he'd be fine. He's, he's basically set his whole island team up, you know, around a stationary outside off. So why could why not, you know... He could probably still kick a drop goal better than most of his actual squad. Yeah. And no matter how long he's been retired, he can pass. He can properly pass twenty-five meters of either hand, so he can mm. still do a job. At you 10. don't lose that. You do not lose that shit. In fact, fuck this. Why are we wasting time with his son? Let's just somebody <laughs> get on the phone and tell him, Andy. Andy. Yeah. Did you see that Owen Farrell saying today that uh, Andy's bought Owen Farrell's kids Ireland jerseys? Which just once again shows that like there's nothing that Andy Farrell enjoys more than just making his son's life a misery, which I've got a lot of respect for. I always wonder what the situation is with Ireland and the Farrell family, because obviously hmm. they're called <laughs> Farrell. I was going to say there is a name there that implies they're, they're all Irish from stock. the northwest and and Catholic and played for like 
Andy came through at Wigan St. Patrick's, the amateur rugby club at, in Wigan, mm. which as you can imagine where that the, the origination of that one is. I can't imagine where... <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I, I do I do wonder, and obviously, but then of course he went on to Captain England and Great Britain and all that kind of stuff. So you do wonder what mm. the actual before actually becoming a coach for Ireland, what the what the feeling of Ireland and Irishness is in the Farrell family. Who knows? I've got yeah, and, and how far back it goes, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, because and the extended family, of course, is I think the uncle or the cousin of the Farrell family is Sean O'Loughlin. Yes, of course, which is as, which is as Irish as they come, and Sean O'Loughlin look very Irish as well. So it's a anyway. Sorry, we we digress. So Indeed. it won't be Andy Farrell playing ten for England. I think no. it will be Owen Farrell. Or Colin Farrell for that matter. Or Colin care. Farrell. How, no. how many Oscars the Bandies Banshees of Sharon wins? I went to see the Banshees of Sharon, and I thought. I, I, I thought, am I just a fundamentally wrong person? Because I think this is a little bit boring. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people say that it's like very well acted, but like a little bit. There dark. are some nice scenes and dialogue in it, but as you'd expect, it's at least half an hour too long, as most films are these days. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, and yeah, I didn't understand it at all. I don't understand why yeah. everyone was raving about it. I thought it was all right, you know. Mm. Natalie fell asleep in the cinema. That's how. That's what she thought about it. <laughs> I mean, that is that is a we had been for tapas before, though. So ah, fair enough. Then. So I think Andy mm. Farrell's going to play. No, he's not. Oh, if, what is wrong with me? Oh, if Farrell's going to play it, you really want Andy? Farrell Honest to God. And then the other thing is that I think the other interesting thing, which I'll be interested to see when the team's named, I'm guessing on Thursday, will be mm. um, what the back row looks like. That's the only because I think everything yeah. else will be broadly the same. Because if I look at it, you got. I don't think he's Stewart will still be at fullback, won't he? Yeah. Um, wings will probably be. I don't. Know, I've got a feeling about Hassel Collins and maybe Anthony Watson on the other wing. They're quite low on wingers, especially with the ones that they left out. Yeah, that could be the way. For, I mean, oh, they could go. He could go Superboy and have Tommy Freeman and Max Malins on both wings just to he give could, up on yeah. pace entirely. You know, but it's uh, the. Um, I think Smith will be on the bench. Joe Marchin could play centre, couldn't he? Which is he could. new but not new. Ollie Lawrence as well, although he's coming to the squad quite late. Well, man, who's going to play, isn't he? She with his fifth because he always does. So. Yeah, you kind of wonder if maybe that's the thing that he needs to do is just break, but he hasn't because no. he's still fucking picked him, but like break so it the could manual. Be thing. It could be Young's, Farrell, Tulangi, Joe Marchant, yeah. uh, Anthony Watson, who's obviously mm. got quite a few caps under his belt. Uh, Ollie Hassel Collins just to throw in a bit of a not a wild card but a bit of a, something different and then Stewart at fullback and then in yeah. the forwards you're probably looking at Don Brandt yeah we go that way Don Brandt well have we got the come to back row last so we've got have I go from the go from the props I think you're probably looking at Ellis Genge yeah Genge obviously George. Jamie Jordan's fit yeah um, and then I think Dan surely Cole. Dan Cole surely Dan yeah. Cole because why um, else is he there yeah. Second row, Johnny Hill and Marowitoji. Marowitoji, yeah, of course it is. Possibly Nikasikwe. Maybe, but possibly, but maybe, but I think he he likes a big lump. Like Don Brandt will play eight. I agree on that yeah. one. I think, and I think Simmons will be on the bench. 
and then no you've commune. got laws no is law. so so yeah, I think so you've then got Chesham or Zeke, I think, for six, probably. Potentially. Ben Earl at seven. Yeah, Ben Earl or maybe Jack Willis. I could, but I think it could be Ben Earl, Don Brandt. Yeah. Yeah. My only thing, the only thing that I think he might pick Jack Willis is because, like, when you think about Tommy Raphael at Leicester. Mm-hmm. And how much he liked having, you know, all Tommy Raphael does is just compete for the ball like a fucking lunatic 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I feel like he might look at how much Jack Willis is just a relentless breakdown guy and go, yeah, maybe that'll work. But it's well, not the selection, a in a way, I think the point I'm trying to make is the back row might be an interesting little bit of a change. Hassel Collins yeah. might be all of that. Broadly, it's going to feel very similar to the... And, and it won't really make a difference unless we can see them attacking differently. That's the thing. Yeah. That's that's why the real question, to be honest, is it's, the real it's World Cup year. Do you say, actually, Farrell starts at 10, that's the end of it, and that's what we built, and that's what that's what Evans mm. built an attack around. Instead of, oh, yeah. like, Smith might start at 10 now, completely fuck this whole plan. Yeah, well, thing, the, the other option is that he goes Smith at 10 because Evans knows how to get the best out of him, allegedly. Um, and... And Farrell plays 12 and Manny plays 13, and it's even more like what we experienced in the autumn. The thing is, though, right? Like, we've seen from various examples throughout that it's very hard to bed in a new attacking system at test level because of the limited amount of time you have and how hard it is to attack at test level full stop. It's a big ask to ask Nick Evans to get, like, if Nick Evans does, you know, get England fucking, like, humming on attack in this tournament in six weeks, then he can pretty much go anywhere. The All Blacks should be fucking knocking on his door. Fuck England. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be that. Uh, as you say, I'm sure the defence will be fine. The set piece, I'm sure, will be fine. Um, the line out has always broadly been okay. Scrum wasn't great, was it, in the autumn? No, well, I think, you know, he will bring, he's brought people in to try and remedy that. Um, The defence will be good, I'm sure, under Kev Simfield. It is, as you say, it is all about whether that attack is good or not. And if it's good, they could, you know, fuck it, they could win the Six Nations, potentially. But, like... They've they've got to go to Dublin. Yeah. France at home, though. And they've got to go to Cardiff, haven't they? But... Yeah. We'll come on to one of that's a problem in a minute, but... Mm. um... But they got. They have got France at home. I think it'll be. Where was it last year? Was it, was it fourth last year? Third last year? I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember. Last year's Six Nations. I kind of blocked. It must have. They must have been fourth because <laughs> Wales couldn't have been any higher. They were third than... last year. They were third. Okay. They were third last year. Won two games. Like everyone below France and Ireland was shite, weren't they? Basically, yeah. Everyone basically, they were, below that. They were the the best bad team last yeah. year. But lost three games last year. I think they'll probably. They, I think they'll win three and lose two this year. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Like, so opposite of what they did last year. Hmm. Okay, who next? Uh, France. Okay, might as well go with the France. Have got into themselves a position where really they've got everything to lose. Yeah, and there's and things they're missing some quite key components from last. You know, 
They've got no Walkie. They've got no Mavaka coming off the bench and being a bastard. They've got no Jonathan Dante, who's, you know... Never became... convinced by him anyway. But, uh... Yeah, but he became quite important to France in that uh, that yeah, you know, big but, physical you know... 12 last year. It's a, it's a question of whether the, the depth they've got is the depth they've got, I guess. Like, we, we always sort of talked about how they've got ridiculous depth. Well, it's like, they're going to go into it with three or four. There's no Gabby Villiers still. He's, you know, still injured. It's like, they're going into this tournament with quite a lot of key contributors missing, and they've got like six uncapped players in the squad, which... I don't think you're embracing the absolute fucking pure joy <laughs> bring, to be honest. I mean, I'm expecting to go that way, but they did kind of look a bit sort of undercooked in the autumn. And I'll Still got over the line, though, didn't they? They did. And this is it's something that we probably talk about with Ireland as well. It's like, at what point do you, are you just sort of like manfully getting through and it's all going to come good in the end? And at what point are you just like, oh, are you actually peaked? about six or seven months ago and everything is kind of you're you're actually on the downward slope of your peak at the moment and things are not going to things are probably going to get worse instead of getting better I, i'm not massively down on france i still think they could probably win it but i just think they need to show this tournament that the the autumn was just a sort of bump in the road and not the start of something worse because as you say that they've got <laughs> they've got everything to lose in this tour this year like there's unless they have a grand slam again the thing crockery is going to be thrown in France you know and takes are going to be scorching hot and yeah i think funny... i think they've got everything to they've got to go to dublin so that's the yeah thing. i think they've got hard fi- they've got harder fixtures this year i think um, going at Twickenham and going to Dublin. Uh, I said they've got everything to lose because they won last year. Everyone kind of expects them to do well, so they're always so anything anything beyond winning the tournament again will be seen as a problem in a World Cup year. So mm-hmm. psychologically, we need to see how that goes. However, on the upside of that, Olivon is back, baby. Olivon is back. Oh, and he's the big gigantic <laughs> lump of beautifulness that he is. Is back. And the reality is, he brings an awful lot of like relentless competence to that France team. Yes, but, and just unbelievable sexiness, sexiness, the... and a bit of heft as well. Oh yeah, he's a big fucking man. He's a big um, man. There's the potential that Fiku and Galaton in the in in the midfield could be the greatest thing. In the entire world, if that I mean, comes I'll, off, I, I don't know if it's going to be selected, but I, I'm here for it, and I'm 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 trying to will it into existence. <laughs> I'd, I'd like it. I mean, I wouldn't object to like you know seeing more. I want to see more Fiku at twelve again because I thought that was fine. And if you want to stick Mafana at thirteen again, that's okay too. <laughs> like, yeah, and. I've, the less we forget as well, this is the energy they're bringing this year. No, <laughs> Fuck it. Stick, stick Damien Pinot at 13. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, thank you, Pinot at 12 and 13. And then we can have uh, that mad young Jean- uncapped lad on the wing. Yeah, we can have LaBelle and um, and, oh, he's gonna go on the other. Oh, we can stick, we can stick my father on the other wing, yeah. And then we'll have Yamane at fullback again. I don't, oh, god, yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> please don't make me have Tom Arouse again, yeah. 
Um, yes. Can, can we welcome the new era of, of Nolan Legarek as the lad coming off the bench? Oh, I'm so, like, I, I know Maxim Duku's injured, but I'm so happy to see the back of him. It's like, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Legarek is fucking great. Yeah. That inexplicable bored lad is gone, and Nolan Legarek's coming. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to Rumat, the uh, Toulouse back row being involved as well because he's just yet another fucking giant yep another another six foot six seventeen stone blindside flanker that they can wheel off the bench at any moment. <laughs> it's like brilliant. Yeah. Um Demo- yeah but Demortier the wing I'm very excited to see as well. Um it, Look, it who fun. gives a fuck where they finish right? The pure yeah. joy of this is all that you need. And this is the because you know, I'm not French. I don't. Yeah, it people in France matter to me whether they win or not. So, <laughs> but it matters a bit to me because I would quite like France to win the World Cup next year because I think. Well, wouldn't we all? But I'm not going to be heartbroken if it doesn't happen no. either. Do yeah, you know I'm I mean? going to be a little you heartbroken. Just got to embrace the journey, man. It's all about the journey. The journey. Embrace the journey. What accent was that? I don't, <laughs> I even, don't, I don't know. even know what I was trying to do. I thought I was going mank, but usually my manks are much better than that. Anyway. Um, so France have yes. obviously got to play Italy first, which should yes. be unless they go completely hat. I was going to say like could, times it, of your. Then... Well, you know, we can sort of talk a little bit about Italy. And we talk like Italy now look like a team more than keep capable of beating anyone in the Six Nations if they have an off day, and they have a good day. Are we? Are we doing Italy now? Well, we can sort of segue into it. But like, so just just hold that thought on Italy then, because they got to play mm. France first. Mm. Then France have got to go to Dublin. Yeah, which is then they then they welcome Scotland. Then they've got to go to Twickenham, and then they and finish. Scotland. Scotland at home have been a bit of a banana skin for France in the last few years. Don't forget. And I just think that that three week slot, like that three rounds in the middle of away Dublin, Scotland at home, Twickenham, <clears throat> is is hard, man. And you know, he, Warren Gatlin might have even made Wales a competent unit by the time they roll, roll into Paris. So it's like it's a it's a hard run of games in many in many ways. You don't want to have it to the first up as much as it's like a. I was just thinking that they can't. Um, you're on a hard into nothing, aren't you? Because if yeah. you have a, an awkward, gnarly sort of win with things not quite going well, it's like, oh well, you couldn't even put Italy away. Yeah, and if you do put Italy away, people go, "Well, you've only put Italy away." You know, you won the Grand Slam last year. Calm down. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, it does yeah, it, it does feel a little bit like they they could they could, even if they put like thirty points on Italy, they could still be undercooked going into that Dublin game. And yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So prediction wise, what do you think in terms of where do you think France will finish? For me, I think uh, I wouldn't disagree with that, given the the way the fixtures are this year. Yeah, it'd be a hell of a thing if the be a hell of a thing if they could win it this year. That would be mm. a way of teeing up their World Cup very nicely. Big time, big time. Um, you started talking about Italy. Do you want to do them now? Yeah, I think for Italy, you know, it's like it's how much can they kick on this year because they've got, you know. They've got a home game against Wales that is eminently winnable, depending on where Wales are. Um, they've they've got Ireland and France at home, which again is not ideal. 
and they've got to go to Twickenham and Murrayfield. But like, you know, you look at that squad now, and they're all <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking my 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 beautiful son Angie Capuzzo, just like is is full pomp. Like I watched him again for Toulouse against Montpellier last night at like you know eleven p.m. because. French rugby because of course yes. yeah um, and he's like he's not just like he. you know how in last Six Nations he was just sort of like this flea-footed little child that like looked amazed to even be there and it's like now he's like turbo prick when he scores and he scored an amazing try that probably should have been ruled out for him basically Superman diving over the line from about eight feet out what a finish like, though Unbelievable, <laughs> but like, and then he just springs back up and he's like, "Fuck yeah, I did that!" And it's like, "Oh, yeah, you've now entered the cocky stage." Oh god, that doesn't bode well for anybody else because he was already very good without him backing himself absolutely to the hilt, which he clearly now does. And everyone else in that Italy squad is, you know, Benetton are not having a bad season. Even Zebra are not having a bad season. Even if they are haven't won a game this year, they're being much more competitive than they have been in the past. I just think, yeah, that Italy squad is good. And you look at it and you think there's a lot of players in that Italy team now that would get into most teams, like, without... I do think this is their kind of second golden era of the Six Nations era coming up, I think. And um, to be fair, Crowley seems to have done some reasonable stuff. So they beat Wales in Australia last year, which is no... Mm -hmm. Which is no uh, small thing, is it? Mm. Even that Wales team, it was in Cardiff after all. Yeah, um, indeed. I think the thing is, teams can get very, very used to losing, regardless yeah. of all the pumping yourselves up before a game and screaming out your anthem. I think in the back of everyone's head for a long time with Italy, it was a kind of yeah, this is all great fun, but fuck. Me, <laughs> yeah, and it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a like what you call it, a, you know. It was a foregone conclusion in a lot yes. of their minds, but I do not. I genuinely don't think it, it, they are looking at it that way. No, anymore. so they, well, they, they actually have a sniff of winning again. They've shown that they can win and they can beat, mm. even though as comically inexplicable as Australia were last autumn. You know, it's still no small thing for that to happen. Yeah, they're beating Australia and beating Wales in the same year for them is the sort of thing that would have been scarcely. And you know, it, it, it's it's not even like it's out of the blue either. This is no. actually. This seems to be the culmination of what's been a trajectory for a couple of years now. Even though they yeah. can still get hard, you know, they can still get pasted. You know, we know that. Yeah. But um, there's something about this that makes me feel that. This, having said that, the question then mm. is, you know, having said all that, alas, there still doesn't seem to be a huge amount of, you know, not finishing sixth. Encouragement to be found. No, and and they are still. A and France and England game. first up is pretty fucking brutal. It's bizarre. <laughs> Feeling like you're doing a bit better, are you lads? Have these two fixtures yeah. and fuck off. And it is, and it's worth remembering how young this squad is. You know, the thirty, uh, thirty-three man squad. Like only, like seven of the players in that thirty-man squad have more than thirty caps. Like they are, ve like as much as it's been building for a while, they're still very, you know, it, it only really has happened since Kieran Crowley came in a couple of years ago. So, like, you know, all these players have got like under 10 caps or under 20 caps, and 
it's it's a lot to ask those sorts of you know that level of inexperience to go to Twickenham, you know, <laughs> or to go to Paris, you know, it, it's or, or to beat France at home, you know, it's it's it, it's probably a bridge too far. However, <laughs> you know, you look at their their under twenty squad beating England last year twice. Um, and a couple of those lads are through to, you know, I think the Rizzoli, the prop is through, and a couple of others as well. Like, as the, as it's, like it's like who who are we going to bring through, you know, from the really young lads? Let's <laughs> oh, bring maybe. the front rowers through, you know, that'd be easy stuff, you know, stuff you don't need a lot of experience for. Do you know what I mean? Front row at international level. Yeah, let's, let's bring a twenty-year-old tight head through. Yeah, but you know he he had England on toast in the under twenty six nations last year, and like and your, your first job is to scrubbage against eighty seven year old postman yes. Dan Cole. <laughs> just uh, just just take the hit and just stay still, and eventually he will die of old age. <laughs> eventually, he'll have to call for his oxygen to come on, so don't worry about it. So he will waste away like. Uh... <laughs> Like what you call us in Indiana Jones on the Last Crusade, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think I think it, like I think they could beat Wales. It, it really does depend. We'll talk about Wales in a minute, but like Wales is the game that they are going to look at and just think, yeah, we could beat them. But it does depend on how much seriousness Gatland injects into this Wales team in the next, you know, three or four weeks. So I think Italy going to finish last. Although I do think it'll be a better tournament generally. Do you know what I, mean? I think, yeah, I think I think they might finish last, but with a fair few, with a couple of losing bonus points this time, and maybe they might even sneak a win. But uh... I suppose they've just, if they could just, if they could just dam the river of getting a fucking hiding when they're going to lose, I think in a way that would be part of because just reducing yeah. the points difference might help. You know. Yeah, no, it's true. They, 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 they sort of feel like they need a, and I think that they have got a squad now that isn't just going to run out of steam after sixty minutes. And I think that has always often been the case. In, is that you know that squad is so thin. Traditionally, <laughs> give it some. Franco Smith took some shit, didn't he? Do you remember that one? His first season there, where he just spent the entire game literally with his head in his hands. Yeah. And then he went, and now he's obviously doing some decent work at Glasgow. But you do have to think, don't you? What did he put in place there? Yeah, as a as a, as a kind of conveyor yeah. belt, kind of, or as a system, and as a as an approach that seems to be bearing some fruit. Because good yeah. God, he just used to sit there, didn't he? Looking, oh, like like you could see the death, and you could see the the light of life go out in his eyes at about <laughs> like you said, fifty five minutes in every game. Yeah, and this is but like you look at this Italy squad now, and you just think, well, yeah, like in before it would have been like you know Negri comes off, and then at sixty minutes, well, who you know who comes on? Now it's like who comes on is Jake Pelletri because he's fit again. Yeah, you know? yeah. it's like it's <laughs> not a bad fucking replacement to have. Um, you know, equally, you know, there's depth. There, there feels it's not a huge depth. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's still only two wingers in the squad, proper wingers. And one of them is is our Lord and Saviour Matteo Bonazzi. Um but like, <laughs> like it does feel like 
There he is our Lord and Savior to glue his bones back together. He does, poor lad. Bless him. Um, still, still only twenty six. Um, exact him. number of fractures he's got on his legs, basically. Yeah, and I mean now completely supplanted in all of our hearts by Andrew. Well, Quirker. yes. So you know, because Capuzzo looks more like the lead singer of a of a middling Britpop band. I mean, he looks like he should be, you know. In that band that won Eurovision, what the fuck is their name? It's just escaped me. Abba. No, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, what are they called? The Eurovision Eurovision winners, the band. Oh, the kind of indie rock ones that won. Uh, yes. Oh God, what is their name? Maniskin. Fuck me. <laughs> God. Yes. Um. I think they, yeah, they're probably. Man of skin. That sounds games. like one of them fucking ball shaving brands. It really does, doesn't it? It means something to do with the moon, I think, because mana is moon in Italian. But. Uh, anyway. Anyway. So that's Italy. We still mm. think they're going to finish last, but you never know. They might squeak a couple of wins somehow. Maybe. Or a win and a couple can't of losing bonus points. Who can I think if it? they win one and stop, mm. and let's say keep the fucking, keep a couple of games down to not being a cricket score, Be a good, then good they score. might squeak not the wooden spoon because there's a chance, yeah, there's a chance some other teams <laughs> might only win one game. Speaking of which, do you want to talk mm. about Wales now? Yeah. I think the biggest question, because like, obviously we've yeah. seen. What to know, expect this time round? Question mark. Yeah, indeed. And a big, big fucking questions. It's like how much damage has been done and how much and how quickly can Gatland arrest this? Not so much the sort of like the I don't think it's gonna be a structure thing because we know that Gatland is you know, he doesn't mess about. There will not be any over gilding of any lilies here. It's gonna be the basics. It's going to be set piece. It's going to, it's going to be defence. It's going to be kicking game, and it's going to be. It's going to be world's greatest player, Kieran Williams, at twelve. Yeah, yeah. But like, what? How much damage did Pivac do to like the mentality of these players that Gatlin will need to rebuild? Because well, let, was... let's, let's say what it won't be. Okay, hmm. it won't. It it will be a lot less lateral. Yes. And there will be a great deal more what I like to call horrible coordinated battering. Yes. Without yeah. without the ball. Yeah, and it will not there will not be any fucking about. <laughs> there will That's another way of putting it. There will be zero yeah. absolute there will be zero point one percent nonsense. Yeah. There's there will most. be no there will be no hint that, you know. Pivak sort of ignored Wales's kicking game for sort of fundamentally like like ideological reasons, and there's absolutely no danger of Gatlin going. Well, we've got an amazing kicking game, and we win more games when we kick more. Oh, then we're going to kick the fucking leather off it. A bit like England, though. You can't see the team being a great deal different, can you? To what no, and well, I think that well, I think that's, you know, the team probably won't end up being dramatically different than the one that he, he left. ran onto the field. Yeah, exactly, because you know 
Who you got? Win Jones. Ken Owens is captain, gonna, so he starts. Yeah, Ken Owens, he's going to start. Uh, Win Jones, he, Thomas Francis. Picked, well, yeah, he's picked Win Jones with Win Jones. I played barely any games, so surely he's probably going to get a start. Um, maybe Gareth Thomas if he just likes the cut of his jib. Thomas Francis will start on the other side. Adam Beard and Alan Wynn. <laughs> well, I, 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 or, I or, the, or that lad that nobody's ever heard of that somehow was in the squad. Teddy yeah, Williams, 50s rock and roll star Teddy Williams. <laughs> Teddy Williams, he's just gone like six foot six, 18 stone. Yeah, I can do something with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, I think he's one for the future. I think it'll probably be David Jenkins or Reese Davis alongside Alan Beard. I don't think he's going to start Alan Wynn, but he might. Is, you is know, Shums are injured, injured. Uh, no, but I think he starts in the back row, right? If he just wondering, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There was some talk that he was injured, but uh, I think he's fit if he isn't fit. Yeah, I didn't think um, so. I didn't think he'd be starting the second row. I was just wondering. Uh, the, um, yeah. So, and then back row then. The back row is the most interesting place because it's going to be Falatow and it's going to be Tipperick. Yes. Could yes. Imagine. And then is, is it um, Morgan or Rafael? Is it Morgan? Is it Rafael or is it Ginger? You know, it's like we know wow. that he's shown, we know that he's shown a bit. Could a, a, Christ Shumza be the Ian Goff of, <laughs> of the second Gatland era? We know that he li- he's shown that you know he likes Courtney Laws. He likes a big extra line out. Does that mean that Shunzer in ten years will become a horrible public COVID denier and anti vaxxer Maybe. Like Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> he's that already. Who knows? But it's yeah. a yeah. Um, scrum off is interesting because like I think he's got on records and he likes Jack Morgan. Yes, he is. Which leads me to think that he probably there's an opportunity. Well, you can't ignore the form, can you? He has been remarkably good, hasn't he? We know that Gatland likes to sort of throw a curveball. He could start Jack Morgan at seven, and with Chinza, that would be a very big call. He's not. He's not not playing Tipperick, is he? I would imagine not. But like, who knows? He's he likes to throw a curveball out there. Um, the nine, I think, is going to be interesting because like Kieran Hardy has been Wales's best nine on the QT. Reese Webb is back. Well, yeah, despite being a level of inept that it's hard to describe at different points. So, well, the thing is that Gatland were quite like because so much of Gatland's like attacking philosophy is basically players having their head up and like playing what's in front of them for good or for ill. Um, you know, Kieran Hardy's been great, has been good under uh. Pivac because the the nine doesn't really do anything on the Pivac, just passes the ball and kicks. And I can see him picking you know, Thomas Williams is going to start, I think, because yeah, I, I, I put that <laughs> because Thomas Williams has that has a very good rugby brain and knows how to spot a gap and knows how to snipe and all that sort of stuff. But I wonder if Reese Webb's on the bench instead of Kieran Hardy, which I would feel for Kieran Hardy for because he's done nothing wrong in the hmm. last couple of years. But but them's the breaks. Uh, Big is going to be the fly off, obviously. Yes. I wouldn't bet against Owen Williams on the bench just because I think he's got that 10-12 option. Um, Centre's interesting. I think it's going to be George North and Joe Hawkins probably. I just I don't think Nick Tompkins is even going to be in the 23. I think that guy's holding tackle bags for the duration of the tournament. But I did see he was in the squad and I thought... Mm-hmm. No, I think North stays at thirteen now. I think. Yes, I. You don't. Know, Gatland had always talked about him being a thirteen, um, one day, and I think he'd probably stick with it unless he sh- cannot do. do you, the think, you think Joe Hawkins at twelve? I think so, just because I just think 
the closest thing Wales have got to Hadley Parks is Joe Hawkins. Yeah, it's true. True. In terms um, of in wing, in terms of wings, it's going to be Josh Adams and probably Lewis Summit, and then that's who I've got. Is it <laughs> yeah, I've said that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who's the? Because I mean, Rio Dyer is the curveball selection for a wing, but the competence and ability of Josh Adams one is why he should be picked anyway. But it's even, yeah. it's even more reason why you will be picked by Gatland. So yeah, exactly. And you know, Gatland's liked. Samo enough to take him on Lions tour at the age of 20 or whatever it was, or 19. I imagine he starts him. So, Wales have got to play Ireland first. Yeah. And then they've got to go to Murrayfield. Then they welcome England to Cardiff. Then they go to Rome. And then they finish against France in Paris. It's it's not a, a kind Six Nations for Wales. Fixture wise, I don't think the famously slow starts playing Ireland up front, then going to Murrayfield is not a not a lip. No, uh, indeed, licker, is it? No, and you know if they can somehow manage to do what like what they did in two thousand and eight, and just by hook or by crook find a way to beat Ireland in that opening match, then who knows what what could happen and what could open up. But I think. One, maybe two wins, and hopefully some progress. Where's the wins then? Italy? Italy, you would hope, and Gatlin knows how to beat Scotland, man. <laughs> and, even, and even if he doesn't, I feel like there is a there's a win to be jammied in one of Ireland or England. I wouldn't put a win against England or against... Uh... England at home with Gatland back, with hopefully two on the back of two hopefully encouraging performances, even if they aren't wins. My son's going to Cardiff for that game. He hasn't got a ticket, but his mate lives in Cardiff. He's at uni there, so my son's going down to experience Wales England in oh, Cardiff for the weekend. Do it. It's a hell of an experience. He phoned me up all like sad, sad voiced. Well, I'm in Cardiff, but. Uh... I, 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 skin, uh, I could get the bus, but it takes six and a half hours because he's in Manchester. <laughs> How much is the bus? 30 quid. How much is the train? 70 quid return. So, <laughs> job is to give you the 40 quid. Oh, no, I'm in Hang, Hangstown, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't talk like that. That's just me, you know, being a shit out. So, yeah, so. Uh. so, what do so? Well, we know how Gatlin plays rugby, don't we? Yeah, three quarters of this squad know him anyway. Yeah, so this is not. This is it, it's going to be a. It's been like on a strange sabbatical, like when Rob Howley took over for a bit, and now he's he's Gatlin's back. You know, it's a strange one, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I don't. I genuinely don't think that like Wales will be as bad as they were in last season because a that would be hard, and <laughs> and b I just think and two you can't you can't imagine what that would do to you. So you don't want you don't want to exactly. Do that. Yeah, it would just make me really sad, and you know <laughs> I don't need any encouragement. I'll make you give up rugby. Never mind dropping the tackle high. Man. I'm <laughs> fucking done with this. Yeah, but like yeah, I I can't imagine a a, a worse Six Nations than last year. Uh, but I still think it could be a pretty like I think that this isn't going to be 2008. This isn't going to be a you know a glorious 
Grand Slam winning return for Gats. This is like, this is a let's keep the wolf from the door <laughs> of absolute rugby oblivion. Hopefully enough to maintain the stability of Welsh rugby until next season. And we'll take it from there. Which leaves us with Scotland and Ireland, doesn't it? Who do you want to be first? Um, should we do Scotland first? <laughs> yes, the, the old half-decent autumn story has been rolled out again for Scotland, well, hasn't it? It is the one. Just in time for them to finish fourth. Which Scotland is the real Scotland? Yeah, I think Wales are going to finish fourth or fifth, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, which Scotland is the real Scotland? Is it the Australia game Scotland or is it the first 60 minutes of the All Blacks game Scotland? And I think the answer probably lies somewhere in between. <laughs> Betwixt and between. Betwixt <laughs> and between, indeed. Um, However, having said that, in the whole, the flattering to deceive in the autumn problem that Scotland have had oft, the clubs are in a better position than they have been for a while, both of them, in terms yeah. of how they're playing. And the thing is, though, you could say that. Well. Nobody's, you could say that about Wales, and nobody is. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, yeah. Like the, um, well, but, you know, they've got they've mixed up McConaughey and Healy come in, which will be interesting. Yeah, uh, Tua still looks great. Harris yeah. is, would probably start for a number of teams. Indeed, Johnny Grace joined back up with the squad today, so that's a, a boost for sure. Um, I think they've still got issues. I mean, the prop thing is an issue, isn't it? You know, there's I, I, I've got a lot of respect for WP Nell. But at the same time, he's nearly thirty-seven years old, and and I know Dan. Like, oh man, if him and Dan Cole are on the field at the same time, that is going to be quite some meeting of old fuckers. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, it is. They're going to be. They're going to. The stadium will sell out of Werther's Originals very quickly when them two rock up. But the um, is the King Horn thing done now? I think it probably is. Yeah, I think he's he's been chastened enough into uh, just going. Yeah, Finn Russell now. <laughs> I think the issue with Scotland is that consistently, not that different to some other teams, I guess. I suppose as well is that there's just something about that. Your point about the first sixty minutes against the All Blacks, etc., mm. and the fact they look like they could have won a number of games in the autumn and then somehow fucked it. Um, is, yeah. Something about that final fifteen to twenty percent of what makes a team proper continues to elude them, doesn't it? And I don't really know what the answer is. Is it because Townsend? Well, he clearly can't inspire anybody, can he? But then again, oh, I, I think that inspiration and passion is kind of the last refuge, as I've said before, the chancer really, because having a decent game plan actually inspires people because you feel like you're going to win, so you get on with it and do it, sort of thing. But yeah. um, and they have to start in Twickenham. Which yeah, which, two, if they put a, an absolute say, worldie on, then, well, they wouldn't have to put a worldie on to beat this England team. But history dictates that they struggle there. So, yeah, and it is a you know, there's a lot of good. Like, you look at the Scotland squad, and you do just as you said, you know, you look at them and think, for me, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know players that would start for Ooh. other teams in this squad now and there's there's genuine depth there but again it's like if Sander Ferguson's hamstring industry is you know keeps him out as for part or all of the tournament as it seems it might like 
you are looking at a situation where like WP Nell has to start and then like Simon Bergen comes on for the last <laughs> half hour. And yeah. <laughs> or 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 a reverse of that. And I just think literally nobody, even Italy or Ireland, who are not the best scrummaging team at the moment, are worried about that Scotland. And it, it is it is the classic thing. It's like if if you can't get parity or at least some a nudge at the scrum, it's very hard to win in the Six Nations. Like more so than the autumn because it's wet and it's cold and it's miserable. And games are inevitably more attritional than they are in the autumn where it's usually, you know, the weather's usually still pretty decent, although not always. Um, yeah, I just think, or maybe they just picture Van Sebastian, you know. You know. Um, <laughs> so in terms of fixtures, Scotland got to play England, as we just said, on the opening weekend. Hmm. They're then playing Wales in Edinburgh. They then go to Paris. Or they then they then well, welcome Ireland. Said earlier, though, they've had a bit of a number over France in Paris. They have actually. It is true. They then got to go to you know, they welcome Ireland to Edinburgh, and then they finish. I suppose if you're going to get a half decent run of results together, they, they finish by welcoming Italy to mm. Edinburgh. So they could, you know, if things the wind blows the right way, they could be looking at coming into the. Final round of matches going for three or four wins potentially, which because yeah. you'll be a banker, won't it? I would have thought. It's, so it's it's one of those funny things. Like <laughs> I could almost see like a ridiculous situation where they beat uh, England and then lose to Italy. <laughs> like, I can't see that, but I I'm not saying, I, actually don't think beating England's out of the order. I just can't see losing to Italy, but yeah. It's... I just think if they've got nothing to play for in the last weekend and they're just a bit beaten up and a bit fed up, and they've maybe won one or two games, but it's not really going to make much. Then difference. they're thinking, I've got to go to a fucking World Cup, this <laughs> bastard now, sort of thing. Exactly, yeah. and then Italy come to fucking Murrayfield, and you know they've, they've they've already beaten Wales the week before or something, and they're like, fuck yeah, turbo pumped up, fucking. Everybody, I can see it happening. But equally, I can see them finishing second if if the revolt results go their way. So I think it's that usual thing every year. It's like anybody that out of the three, mm. third, fourth, and fifth, England, Scotland, Wales. Yeah, I, it, it could be any of them in any order. It could, although I don't think Wales will do enough to finish third. I think well, I think Wales and Scotland will yeah. fight it out for fourth and fifth, and genuinely, it could be either. And it might not even be down to the game against between Scotland and it and <laughs> Wales that actually decides it, because I feel like other results might go other people's ways. It's... <laughs> you really said if Scotland beat England, England, I reckon they'll be so busy partying they'll forget to turn up to Wales again. I mean, that's a that little that little again at the end, happened. Harley, is a beautiful, beautiful bit of shit out in the comments. It has happened, you know, and <laughs> um, we have to ask ourselves: Are we? Are, are, do we feel like Scotland are at a stage of their sort of development as a team where they're not just going to emotionally invest too much into that England game one way or another and then 
be a little bit flat the week after, win or lose. And I just, I genuinely don't know if they are because the one thing that has eluded the Scotland team for the entirety of the last World Cup cycle has been that consistency. They've been much better than they were previously, but they've had, they just can't seem to string together results in a way that. Well, what's their bat line looking be. now? Because you look at you look Price, Russell, Turpilotto, mm-hmm. Harris. It's pretty settled. Van der Merwe. Yeah. Who's on the other wing? Stain. Mait- Maitland's back in. Fuck me. Yeah, Maitland's going to be back. They might, they might, hey, they might chuck McConaughey on there for a daft laugh. Yeah, why not? Do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it, they're going to miss uh, Darcy Graham, obviously. Um Yes, but like, I don't know, man. I just, I, I think that like, if if not now, so there's something of an if not now when, with this Scotland team because you know, a lot of the players who are, you know, in this squad and are sort of the key cogs of this squad are not going to be around in another World Cup cycle, you know, and there's a lot of. They should re- they should really be at the point where they're ready to, you know, st- become the team that everybody thought that they could become. Maybe they will. <laughs> like uh, nothing about how they have acted in the last six months leads me to think that they are because it just doesn't feel like they are kind of. And yet going you, through... you do keep looking at the squad that you go, maybe surely at some that's point. A squad is absolutely good enough to contend for the Six Nations title. There's absolutely no doubt about that in my mind. And they never have. To be honest, they never has been. But, like, I just, <laughs> I feel like they would have... If they were going to, they probably would have already. And they wouldn't have waited until the sort of vinegar strokes of fucking Gregor Townsend's time in charge. It's not even like you got a sense of, well, they, they love him up. so much that might be they the like send him off. Yeah. Him on this, this year. No. It's like, is it, you know, him no longer being able to bet with, a, with a, the most shruggiest shrug you've ever heard in your life? But it's yeah, a, and there is a sort of just a sense that they're kind of like watching the clock a little bit, waiting for him to fuck off. And, and so that's why I don't think they could probably finish higher than like fourth or fifth. But who knows? Maybe knowing that he's off, and knowing that they're definitely, definitely not going to get a new contract, will sort of remove the shackles from them, and they will play without any sort of sense of, you know, stress or pressure, and and they they'll get a nice run of games together, and maybe even challenge Ireland or France for the title. Maybe who knows? Weirder things have happened. And finally. Yes. Ireland, Ireland together, standing tall, shoulder to shoulder. None of us are called Paul. Um, so, anymore. Anymore. Apart from the lad who does the line-out coaching. So uh, the... Um, well, so Ireland then, again, after last year, let's be honest, what a year. Yeah. Um, uh, look upon your works, look upon their works, ye mighty, and despairingly worry about them fucking it all up again. I, I, like, I feel like Ireland fans are more het up about this than, than I am. Like, I get that they're <laughs> a bit, like, I get that they're a bit underwhelmed by the squads because it is a bit underwhelming. 
And like the players that have replaced the injured players are not the players I would have picked. <laughs> and I they sort of... the idea that you can spend a year, a record-breaking year, then go a bit underwhelmed yeah. with this squad, this squad yeah. that you know. <laughs> and it's true, but it, it is just kind of like I get it. There, it's a really bother, like a really unexciting squad with, and the players that are injured have been replaced by players that make you go, yeah, I suppose. They Isn't that a symbol of how well things are going, though? Because, you know, <laughs> England fans' response to them being mediocre for a long time is just could constantly ask for kind of mad selections, like there's a, mm. there's a magic bullet theory out there that can somehow solve all this stuff. England football's the same. It's like, they always think, this, just pick this person, the entire thing will work again. No, it won't. Yeah. Fucking grow up. Do you know what I mean? It's a kind of a... It's a, but, it's a strange one. But I also feel like um, there is like a there's enough credit in the back with bank with Andy Farrell that it's just like yeah if he thinks that's the best squad it probably is. <laughs> yeah he looks like he knows what he's doing. Maybe so we'll thing, he looks it, like yeah. he knows what he's doing now. So I'm sort of like the question is, I guess you know, Ireland were quite workmanlike in the autumn. And I get that if you're an Ireland fan, that's going to make you go, "Ooh, have we, have we peaked too soon again?" Workman like and winning though, that's exactly the difference, right? Not workman like and losing to Japan, for example. No, but making quite hard work of teams that they should have quite easily battered. But they, they had a lot of injuries in the autumn. And I think the good thing was as well is that Farrell came out and was absolutely, obviously, publicly tamping. About yeah, that. and how shit they were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was no like, yeah, it's not as bad as you think. It was like, no, that's fucking unacceptable. Yeah, there was I'm no, there was no tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. There was no attempt to sort of like alternative facts this by like just no, <laughs> oh, I think we yeah. played really well actually. It was like, no, yeah, that yeah. was fucking shit, actually. Yeah. There was no Eddie Joe's kind of, you know, I'm really happy with the way the awesome's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rock, you know, it was none of that. It, yeah, there was no don't, you know, he was not pissing on our heads and telling us it was raining. It was very much like... We still have the off... I mean, we keep saying it, but it's a problem you can't escape, that Sexton is like the keystone of an old building that doesn't necessarily fall down when removed, but you certainly wouldn't want to spend the night in that building if he's not there. Yeah. And I think the the main reason why you don't want to spend the night in it is probably because it's going to fall down. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely would collapse (laughs) in a really shit way like one brick at a time agonizingly (laughs) constantly make you believe it might not collapse until right the last moment three walls fall backwards yeah and i i get it like he's he's he he is the glue that makes that island team work and i just think there's Again, he's like, I don't blame Andy Farrell for just going. I just want to start the guy that always, like we always win with. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to start the Tom Brady guy. Yeah, yeah. But it's like you look at those centres and you just think, "Fuck me, they're uninspiring." Um, and there is, with the exception of Gary Ringrose, it's just like. Boom. There's not a lot of excitement there, and there's not a lot of excitement in the back. Does it need just... to be exciting though? Is there, is there anything? Is there anything been? What's the most exciting thing about Ireland these past few, the, this past year where they've been winning? Right, what's been exciting about them is 
the forwards. And they're all, and and they're uh, almost set piece backs running whenever they pick up possession. Mm. Everybody seems to know their job, and everyone's a, a pretty decent with it, and they defend pretty well. They've not really been very exciting, have they? It's all been about precision and knowing your job, and being confident with it more than anything. Yeah, and you know, let's not forget that like fully half of this squad, if not more, are all just like Leinster drones. And we know how that's going in. Yeah, we don't find that exciting either, do we? But they keep yeah, exactly. generally winning. It's incredibly yeah. underwhelming from a neutral's perspective because it's boring as fuck. But, like, you cannot argue with the results. <laughs> you simply cannot. No. And, and yeah, you know, it's, it's, it is. I, th- I think they're going to win the Six Nations. I think they're going to probably win a Grand Slam. And a lot of people keep talking about how well they played a year out from 2019, right? And how They didn't play this well. They didn't play this well. They didn't <laughs> beat New Zealand away. Nope. They didn't do a number of things they've done in the last 12 months. They didn't look like they didn't look as organised as they do now. So I don't think it's... Um, if anything, it'll be boring like that, won't it? Yeah, I don't think they bet, beat New Zealand, South Africa. Yeah. France. Uh, not France. Uh, Australia and England in the same calendar year, hmm. you know. So their fixtures, they've got to go to Cardiff first. We've already mentioned that. They then go, they then go to, they then ha- welcome France to Dublin, which I think mm. is hardly worthy. Said in the comments on the live stream as well, is probably big. the thing that dictates everything, isn't it? Yeah, it's big championship decider energy. That one and thing then, I will say, I could see Ireland banana skinning themselves a little bit against Wales and still winning the Six Nations. Mm. Like they could win the other four games. Like yeah, I think a Grand Slam might be tough this year actually. Yeah, well, it's tough every year. Don't get me wrong. It you know, I don't get it. But it doesn't feel. It, this doesn't feel like one of those not a great year Six Nations where, which is where Grand Slams usually happen. Hmm. Like this feels like a France are good, Ireland are good. I think last England. year was a good year in that France and Ireland were both good. Not all the teams. Yeah, do they? You know what I mean? It's a good but like it feels this year like Wales could be good, Scotland could be good, Italy could be good. Everyone well, feels probably like won't. They, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Probably it's, won't uh, yeah. be, but they could be. Yeah. So round three, Ireland after the, after welcoming France to Dublin, Ireland go to Rome. Then they play Scotland in Edinburgh, as you said, where there's you know checking it's history. Never, it's never been a problem for Ireland to win in Murrayfield. And they've got to play England in Dublin. Yeah, which you know was always the one that Eddie Jones would have something in his his locker for, but this time I just don't think they do. So I think you've shown your hand by saying you think Ireland are going to win. I think I'll probably yeah. agree with that one. The tournament, I mean. Yes. Maybe so not looking the slap, but they'll win it. So that's the end of the preview from our point of view. And just to get a reminder that we've got a <clears throat> league with Fanzo, if you go and get on there, and I'll, I'll, I'll post a link again on, on, on the Twitters and Josh will share that as well, no doubt. We can come along and predict scores with us. So we're going to predict some scores for this weekend coming oh. up. Wales, Ireland, Josh, give me a winner and give me a scoring margin. Uh, Ireland by five. I think Ireland by 12. Sorry. No, I think that's probably fair enough. England, Scotland. I think Scotland by three. I think England by five. So we're changing, you know, 
diversion of opinion there. I think France will beat Italy in Rome Uh by 17 points. I was going to say by 12 points, but yeah. Okay, so that's our calls. Well, we both go for Ireland. We've split England and Scotland, and we think we've both gone for France. Come along and do your predictions and score predictions and winning margins with us on Fanzo. Indeed. Join us there. Use the code blood and mud to join our league. Thank you, everyone. Shall we finish, Josh, on the wondrous wondrousness that is shit good? Yes. Yes, let's. Do you have any shit? Um, yeah. <laughs> shit is this row, right, that's brewing around access for this Netflix Six Nations documentary. Like Gats has come out this week and has said, oh, you know, there's a lot of fruity language that goes on in a changing room. Basically says he calls people cunts and he doesn't want you to know. Um, but we already, we already know. know this, Warren. Yeah. You know that, right? Uh, Tyke Furlong has been like... You call shirts enough. on co-tangers, cunts. <laughs> Tyke Furlong has come out and said he doesn't like it and doesn't want to sort of, you know, be that. No, why don't you? Because he's a prop, right? And what do all props do pre-game? They go for a shit. Yeah, he doesn't want that capturing on like UHD. <laughs> Glorious 4K. Where the fuck um, is Tyke? He's having a shit. That's what he's worried about. And there's also some talk that some of the unions have been have still not agreed a, a decent amount of access with Netflix and the fucking documentary is supposed to be filming already. Um, <laughs> I, Who are you? With a Netflix documentary crew. Oh, sorry. Can't go in there. You can invite people into this porter cabin to talk to them. <laughs> it just, it's just so boring. Like, rugby's just so concerned with displaying hashtag rugby values. Like, more, it's more concerned. Like, we've got to present rugby properly. No, present rugby as how it fucking is. And honest, be like honest. Like every other real. sport does. Yeah, like that's why that Formula One documentary is so popular because Formula One is one of the most boring sports to ever be conceived. It's not even a sport. <laughs> like, because they just like, you know, they allowed the people behind, you know, to be real and to be unvarnished and to be like characters and not characters in a fucking dreadful Joe Marler sense, <laughs> but yes. I mean actual people and human beings and stop trying to like. That's the reason rugby is struggling. Like, like you wonder why rugby can't attract a wider audience. And then you go, God forbid we should allow these players to be their honest, authentic selves, whether good or bad, and allow people to relate to them and love them. It's like, it's so fucking short-sighted. It's so stupid, man. Just fucking let them people do It's not like they, they haven't do. done it already. They've done it for every Lions tour for since nineteen ninety seven. It's not like yeah, it's, it's not like it's a kick, new thing. They're kicking off, but they're kicking off about edit acts. Like Netflix, basically, don't want them to have the ability to fucking sign off, basically to to veto shit. And yeah. it's like, well, that's gonna really, like like the last couple of Lions documentaries. It will make it shit if you just like veto anything where there's a merest hint of fucking controversy or color. Oh, just hate it. Anyway. Padre Kelly gets in touch. He says, shit, it's the WRU, the SRU, actually all the unions, they are all shit. It's just a matter of time till they all get found out. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a healthy, safe bet after the last fortnight. Don't trust big organisations. I should know I'm a Roman Catholic. Yeah, so good. Um, 
But he also says, Podrick also says, good is the under-14 girls I helped coach, top of their league unbeaten. Literally very little to do with us coaching them. They're just enjoying playing, and that's all that really matters at this. And at most levels, to be honest, absolutely right, Podrick. That is what matters, indeed. And well done for giving up your time. Most of us don't. Indeed. Um, Gordon White gets in touch. He says, shit is the WR, the SRU. Bunch of dicks. Yes. Whole organisation with top to bottom. Wouldn't treat a male international's family and part of the way they've treated Siobhan Cattigans. Oh, big time. And Ian Wallace chimes in on that as well. He says, shit is Mark Dodson knocking back not one, but two meetings to discuss Siobhan Cattigans' inquiry. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming, and I'm not, I'm not trying to get people off the hook here, but I'm assuming they're all being advised by legal to not meet with anybody. Full stop. I think that's what the issue is. It's a bit like not admitting liability yeah. in case you admit liability oh. somehow or something. In, mm. Which is a shit house fucking cowardly trick, by the way. But unfortunately, probably true of 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 the world we live in. Indeed. Mike Swinson says shit is Gloucester lost at Exeter, but at least he got a bonus point. Yeah. I, I, lo- I, I know. I'm very much loving and embracing the fact that Exeter are the baddies again. And they definitely are now. Oh, they? massively. Yeah, they tried their best. They really did try to go, you know, to be the best that yeah. they possibly could for... It lasted, what, six months? And now they're their baddies again. So Fully embracing it. And I genuinely want nothing but bad things to happen to them. Uh, Dan Shears says that shit is the fact that the Six Nations keeps being overshadowed by rugby's continued idiocy. Yeah. But, you know, what would the Six Nations be if... Uh... We'll all forget come three o'clock on Saturday, at least yeah. for an hour or so anyway. Yeah. You got any more shit? Uh, no. What have you got that's good? Uh, well, you know, obviously it's not been a great week for Scottish rugby, as we've discussed. Mm. Um, but <clears throat> the, I thought, you know, everything that happened with uh, Liberton Ladies rugby team that was revealed last week where they basically yeah. folded their own team because all the men in their club were such cunts. Um, <laughs> that's the abridged so, version. We could give you we could give you more detail, but that's the essence of it, yeah. yeah. Um, so I thought it was really great that Leith uh, Rugby basically saw that and started up a senior ladies team and hoped to sort of absorb oh, all of that. All, yeah, give a home to all these players who've been disenfranchised by their own club. And I just think that's that's love. That's what rugby is about. That is actually what rugby is actually about. That is hashtag actual rugby values. Actual yeah. fucking rugby values. What should we get? Hashtag actual fucking rugby values. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Neil Webber gets in touch. He says, good is it Six Nations time and good is the hope, but shit is the fear. Oh, yes. Yeah. Do you still get the fear, Josh? You know, after all these years and being long in the tooth now. I mean, I didn't. I'd, I'd lost all of the fear when, um, by sort of like year three of Pivac, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but like, it was more hashtag the resignation. Yeah, exactly. I was expecting nothing, and it was rubbish. Um, whereas now Gatlin coming back, like. I have a tiny bit of the fear again because, like, there's a tiny, tiny little bit of well, like we could maybe. maybe you've got right. a child now, so you can't kick your couch and break it. So no, although I did, I did, I actually fixed my couch on uh, on Thursday night, which I broke. Quality. I think uh, when George North scored on the 2013 Lions tour, um, <laughs> but I basically have been 
sitting on a broken couch ever since. And then it finally broke the other day. So I repaired a spring and I felt like a big, big, hard, manly man, as you do. I've been sitting on a broken couch ever since is one of my favourite country songs. But, uh, the, uh, <laughs> Andy Bradshaw gets in touch. He says, good, is Josh's Nadim Zahawi level deny him of him being the founder of the Wayne Pivak Appreciation Society? Well, I think oh, he's I addressed have. that. Andy. I've addressed it, indeed. He's addressed it. He, w- he won't be taking any more questions. No, I'm not making any further comments on the matter. Dennis Souter says, good is Faz Senior buying his grandkids Island jerseys. Yes, excellent yes. shit, Housen. Yeah. Phil Jones says, good is the return of our saviour, Stephen Myler, to rescue the Ospreys against Zebra. <laughs> I, did, I did really enjoy that. He says, uh, well, like, sh- go on, on. It was just like the wheels were coming off. Poor little Jack Walsh. Like, he's not ready for this yet. And like it was just like we need some sense here immediately. We need a sensible haircut, and we need somebody who's just going to kick goals and be. Sensible. Even da- Stephen Manor's incredibly boring and competent entrance <laughs> tune came on. He came walking down the tunnel. It's Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all inspiring, but does the job. Sells by the millions. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. The, um, Phil Jones said, "Always though that shit also is the comments section on the Wales Online over the past week. Is it any wonder there are systemic problems in Welsh rugby after reading that cesspool? I don't read it, Phil, mainly because I find the Wales Online website so upsetting I can't click on it. And the problem is that all local news are owned by the same media organisations. You want to click on a bit of a nice local news story, yeah. you just get nothing but endless pop-up you're, spam. Yeah, yeah, you are going to be, you know, affected by." Like, uh, yeah, them anyway. Yeah, it kills the processing power on any machine that you're on. Opening Reach. up one of those. That's the, yes. Rob Eaton says, "Good is Michael Dykes of London Irish getting a hat trick on his Premiership debut." Admittedly, he also conceded a penalty try, but still not bad. Hell of a debut, that isn't it? Still in credit. credit. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Matt Herbert says, good is Northampton getting a win on the road for the first time in forever and doubly better it being at Welford Road. Mm. But shit is Jasper Visa straying once again into construct territory. You can only hold it back for so long. You've got to factor it in. It's cost of doing business with Jasper Visa. Um, can I add a, a, a late good to the... Mm. Uh, um, so Andy, Andy Powell was on um, Jim Hamilton's podcast this week and Oof. he... Um. Yeah, and he's gone back to the infamous golf buggy uh, incident, and he because obviously the rule, the thing was that he was he was taking the golf buggy down the M4 to go and buy some fags, right? I thought that it was, was a bacon sort of, sandwich, but it's fags now, is it? Yeah, it's fags now. Um, and he's claiming that uh, him he had some fags, and Shane and him and Shane Williams and Lee Byrne were outside smoking. And then the Gatland comes out and goes, oh, give me a fag then. <laughs> and he said, I haven't got any fags. And Gatland told him to go and get some fags. And <laughs> basically, Powell says he doesn't think Gatland expected him to do what he did, which I think is a, a dramatic understatement. I think it is, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So basically, he was driving down the M4 to go and buy Gatland fags, fags. for his boss. Yeah. <laughs> Which you know, I like that anecdote even more now, just because it's just it's a like, shame that we have to know what we know now about Andy Powell, isn't it? Really, but uh... it really is. But like you know, 
that's just the just the mental image of like when Warren Gatlin asks you for a tab, like <laughs> you better find a way to get one, one way or another. They're in a fucking hotel for Christ's sake. The bar you could just go wander down to reception, say I want some fags, you'd go behind the bar and get me something, couldn't you? The thing is, though, you have well, most hotel most hotel bars don't have. Trust me, I know most bars don't have cigarette <laughs> machines behind the counter anymore. I've never smoked, so I don't know anything about these things. I just make a subject. <laughs> 15, 10, 15 yeah. years ago, any pub in the world would have had some horrendously, hideously overpriced Lucky Strikes behind the bar that you could have bought. Most yeah. hotels have got some cigars you can buy, though, from a wedding party, even at this day and age, haven't they? Surely yeah, you could have just gone down that route. It's not a fag, is it? <sighs> no, it isn't. I used to always get pissed and then you think cigars are a good idea and they're fucking minging. <laughs> Every one of them is minging. <laughs> um, uh, no arguments. Sam Ashworth, finally has said that good yes. is Zoe Harrison. Played really well in a game that was much closer than the score around reflects, especially the first 20 or so. The usual flawless kicking game combined with some lovely passes to unlock Bristol. Mm. Indeed. And that brings us to the end of yet another epic. Yes. Hope you've all enjoyed it. I certainly have. Welcome back, Josh. We'll be back Always next pleasure. Monday to talk about uh, the weekend as it was. Indeed, the Six Nations as it was. Yes, and um, that, that's that. So thank you very much, everybody, and we'll speak to you all next week. Enjoy the Six Nations as it kicks off. I'm covering oh, all right. three games of the Guardian. Come and join me. Speak oh, Bye-bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs>